Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Welcome to... The opening drive on 101 ESPN with Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a Wednesday. Greg Warren, great local comedian, is going to join us at the bottom of this hour. We're going to talk to Bernie Federko later on and Carl Reed, former Luther North and Dismet head coach, longtime childhood friend of Kerry Davis, is going to join us. CD, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Did I say it's Carl Reed? I, I said longtime Luther North. I don't even remember. You did. No, I, I you mentioned did. his name. Okay, good. I, I wanna, uh, and he's analyzing sports now, uh, college football and uh, the, the football scene for 24-7 sports and CBS Sports. It'll be great to have him with us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler and CD. <laughs> We are good. We are into the next round. We are. It was a little, mm-hmm. the first half. Right, we clapped yeah, it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. First half, it seemed like Iran was just playing for the tie. It didn't seem mm-hmm. like they had any. The draw. Any, sorry, my right. apologies. Uh, on the pitch. Randy I do is apologize. the soccer terminology <laughs> warden on the show. You got to watch it. You call it a field. He's going to get you. He's going to get you. draw on the pitch. <laughs> In their kits. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We're, well we're done. Wearing their boots. It did. There you it, go. It, it's, it, it seemed like that, but it's the best player that comes through for the USA, and man, was it in dramatic fashion. Robinson, back for the captain, Tyler Adams. Austin McKay, Jess making a big run. It's meant for him. Jess is snuck in behind. Jess in the middle. Pull it Okay, Christian Pulisic injured on the play, and okay, that sounds pretty dramatic, but it's really not as dramatic as it turned out to be. Otra vez Tyler, para Weston McKee, se mete Serginio, vino para Serginio Des, el toque medio, posición,
gol de Estados Unidos. Christian Pulisic lo hizo. Gran jugada, pero enorme jugada. Y después este golpazo del 10 que dejó la vida por el gol. Gana Estados Unidos 1 a 0. I, I was a little disappointed with the first one. Didn't know I was going to get three more. There is not a greater call than a goal being scored in soccer. When they when they hold that that goal, when they hold that and extend it, it is it is absolutely amazing. Nobody does it better than you. Well, you listen, you know, people were asking me, was that real? They thought someone had. They didn't know that we were able to do that for that long. So I, I was very proud of I us. Can vouch. I can vouch. Hundred percent real. Me, 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 and Mike Ryder were, were, were clapping up for you guys after that was that was wholly impressive. So the USA wins. Christian Pulisic winds up with an ab injury. Uh, Yadi and Molina's had that ab injury too. lower than the abs. He winds up in the hospital, says he'll be good to go against the Netherlands. Now, if you aren't a soccer aficionado like we are, here's what you got coming up on Saturday. You've got the 1985 Bears, the USA, against the 1985 Dolphins in oh, the Netherlands. All right. There you go. Here's, here's Taylor Twelman. St. Louis and Taylor Twelman on if the USA can beat the Netherlands without Pulisic. There are multiple ways that you can try to get rid of the pain, but we are talking about not Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball and breathing. We're talking about a player that has to run, on average, seven to nine miles a game. Yes, they can beat the Netherlands. Absolutely, 100%. They need Christian Pulisic. However, we haven't seen Giovanni Reina other than eight minutes against England. FIFA came into this tournament, guys, listing the top 10 players under the age of 23. Giovanni Reina of the United States of America was listed third, and we've seen him for eight minutes. Matthew, why are we not seeing Reina? I, I honestly have no idea. When Burhaler's subs late in the game, I thought were extremely odd. And listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I don't want to, you know, directly take a shot at those guys. But you get a guy like Gio Reyna, who's that talented. Maybe you have some possession at the end of the game, and everyone in America isn't, you know, you know, stomachs aren't in their throats as Iran's trying to tie the game up, and they almost did a couple times. So I mean, just the complete lack of possession late in the game. It one shot on goal. Yeah, one shot on goal. But it was it was nerve wracking. But it was uh, the, com- it, the complete it, lack of possession that late in the game. I just again not t- not taking anything against Haji Wright, but. Gio Reyna is a better player. He's more dynamic. He, he he consistently is able to keep possession and dominate. Uh, you know, for for Dortmund in the Bundesliga, and so why not put him out there and let him do similar things for the United States? I don't get it. I'm with I'm with Twelman 100. One shot on goal, but it also almost a penalty in that last minute or so. Uh, that would have been Vickers. the penalty would, in the world. Yeah, he grabbed, he pulled his shoulder, and thankfully they didn't call it a penalty. I, I'm not a, uh, I, you know, I, I I play the other type of football. Would have been where passing it, it would have pa- definitely all, been passing they also, they also wanted a penalty on the goalie for that, that late contest where the ball just went through his legs. Yeah. They were trying to complain about that one. They were complaining about some soft, soft calls. Well. So the Netherlands were the only team to score five goals in Group A. Of course, USA scored their two goals, one against Wales and one yesterday yesterday against Iran, and so it'll be the immovable force against the irresistible object. And oh, by the way, in 1985, the Bears did beat, or no, the Dolphins beat the Bears. I don't want to no. say this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this. I don't want to f- bring this into the universe. Well, the Bears won the championship, though. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, that's that's okay. Okay. Yeah, roll back to the, <laughs> roll back to the Super Bowl, not over the yeah. Bears 11-0. I think. When yeah, they yeah, lost yeah, that yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. So and then they came home and on Tuesday morning recorded the, the Super Bowl shuffle.
After a loss? After a loss. How really? It's after the loss. I love that. That is absolutely amazing there. You, you had, oh my goodness. Yeah. You lose a game and still, they they probably already had it, you know, planned and, and you know, had to go mm-hmm. through with it, but still, yeah. lose a game and then come and record that. And, and if you've never seen the Super Bowl shuffle, I feel sorry for you. Oh, yeah, you got to see it. <laughs> the other part of that is that after that game, and the DWI was different in 1985 than it is now. And Ditka gets soused on the plane and gets pulled over for a DWI on the way. And McMahon, the quarterback, is driving by, sees Ditka's car <laughs> pulled over and honks and waves. <laughs> Jim McMahon probably has some of the best, better stories, mm-hmm. NFL stories that you could uh, ever come across. He he was, he, that man is a legend. Yeah. Just did it He's his own way. Didn't really care whether you liked him or not. But you you win a Super Bowl in Chicago. What is, who, who's going to say what You're to you? Legendary. Yeah, you want, you want good stories? That's Jim McMahon about his college stories. <laughs> Those <laughs> are the fun <laughs> ones. The new college football rankings are out. The committee putting Georgia number one, Michigan number two, TCU is third, and USC is fourth. CD Ohio State five, Alabama six, and we were talking about this before we came on the air. I do, I don't think even though Alabama sits there at number six, I don't think there is a pathway for Alabama to make it into the Final Four. Yeah, it, probably not. I mean, USC would have to lose, which I don't think we see that happening. Even if they did, do you put if USC loses and TCU loses, maybe you bump Ohio State and Alabama into that top mm-hmm. four. Um, but I, I don't see either one of those two teams losing. And, and if Michigan and Ohio and, um, and Georgia were to lose, we both think that they'll still be in the yeah. uh, in the in the final playoff. So. You know, it would take two losses from either from both of those teams for the for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide to make it in. I don't see that happening, but I still feel I understand why they put Tennessee behind them, even though I don't agree with it. You know, Hendon Hooker being hurt for the year, out for the year, the the Tennessee yeah. starting quarterback changes that team drastically. So obviously, if you don't have him on in, in, on your team and in your lineup, they're not going to be as good as the team that beat Alabama. But they still did beat Alabama. So I know there are some Tennessee fans that are extremely frustrated sitting behind Alabama knowing that they beat them head-to-head. And precedent was that Ohio State made it when Cardale Jones played. Remember yeah. who was the quarterback yeah. then? Uh, it, was, Barrett, it was A.J. Barrett. It was, was it A.J. Barrett? It and was Braxton. Braxton Miller. Yeah. Uh, they had three quarter and Cardell and was the third quarterback. Was the third that guy, yeah. yeah. So the precedent is is that you can lose your quarterback yeah. and still make it. And they two. won the championship. Yeah, with, yeah. with, Cardale, with, with Jones. Cardale Jones. Boo Corrigan is the athletic director at NC State and also the head of the selection committee. Why Ohio State over Alabama? There's four teams in front of them that are still playing games that, that we need to go through as we go through this weekend. And, and again, coming out of this week as we looked at Ohio State and, and the wins that they have over Notre Dame and Penn State. You look at Alabama and their big wins are over Texas and Mississippi State. They got a couple games where they also played close, two close losses. But again, in the minds of the of the committee, we came back to Ohio State at five and Alabama at six. That's fair enough. In watching the dozen games that both teams played, if you take the season in its entirety, I think that Ohio State was a better team than Alabama. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I know people will talk about you know the, the conferences being SEC versus Big Ten. Ohio State beat every team on their te- mm-hmm. on their on their on their schedule as, as except for Michigan. Yep. And Michigan beat every team on their schedule. So they they are two good teams in the Big 10. Penn State is right there. They their only two losses are against Michigan and Ohio State. They are uh right there as well. So there there've been some good teams, good games for both of those uh schools. I just think Michigan, sorry, Ohio State 
looked better in doing what they were doing than, than Alabama did. By the way, it was noted last night on the selection show, and I had no idea of this. In those top six, the team with the strongest strength of schedule is TCU. I was wondering that. Because the Big 12 was, yeah. the, the bottom of the Big 12 was stronger than the yeah. bottom of the, the Big 10 or the SEC. But but if you put TCU in the SEC yeah. or the Big Ten, are they here? No. No. <laughs> if you put the bottom uh, Big 12 teams in the SEC or the Big Ten, are they here? Frank you said know. he's going to burn our audio when Randy Kerrigan <laughs> made the comment. The bottom of the Big 12 was better than the bottom of the SEC. Greg Sankey is going to walk in yeah. here and burn the server yeah. so it never sees the light of day. Yeah. And finally, the Blues will play tomorrow night against Carolina over at Enterprise Center. Robert Thomas has missed the last game plus because of a lower body injury. Here's Craig Berube yesterday. Yesterday on the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, he he did okay today. He was pretty pleased with with how he felt, and uh, I think you know there's a good chance he'll be a player Thursday. Uh, now we got to wait and see uh, how he does tomorrow in practice. But um, you know today was a good day. That'd be today in practice for the Blues, and they're they're going to have a thorough practice and get some fundamentals taken care of, and hopefully Robert Thomas will be good to go. Yeah, I mean if he's uh, if he's trending in that direction, we know how much he'll help this lineup. Um, you know, we talked about it yesterday, just his ability to play make and and get guys the puck in the spots where they needed to to get shots on goal. He definitely will be beneficial if he's healthy and ready. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here, and. It's Wednesday. It's hump day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. How was your Thanksgiving? And you know what? Tomorrow is December. You know what that means? It's the holiday season. And if you have a question about the holiday season, what you got going on with your your life, you just ask me a question, and I'll have an answer for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Greg Warren is going to be with us coming up in the at the bottom of the hour. So we got a little bit of an early start for you for Ask Uncle Randy. I've been around, you know. And so if you have a text, 65780, feel free to text in, and uh, I'll try to answer your questions for uh, the the entire audience. Carrie is here as well. And so, uh, yeah, we'll take care of it. So 65780, what do we got, uh, Matthew? Carrie, Randy, you guys have talked a lot about college coaches. What do you think is a realistic minimum timeline to turn around a bad program? I think it should be at least four years. Your thoughts? I feel like coaches get fired before their own recruits can even take effect. Agree 100%. I would say a minimum of four years. And people are spoiled by what Lincoln Riley is doing or what Josh Heupel did at Tennessee. But if you have a bad program, there's a reason that you're hiring a new coach, and you need to give that guy an opportunity. Yeah, I think, and it depends on where you are. Lincoln Riley going to USC, that is a program that is one of the blue bloods that you talk mm-hmm. about, established long-term history of being you know, a, a powerhouse in the college football game. There are other schools like Illinois where you're going to have to give a coach some time to get his guys in there recruit the guys that he wants to be uh, to, to be a part of his program and, and doing the scheme that the way that they do it. And if you if you run a guy out of there after a year or two, it's gonna be hard. You're gonna be just chasing that 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 cycle of trying to find the right coach and trying to build that program up. So I do agree four years is a good amount of time. 
after that, but around three or four years, you know who you are and what you have. If it's not working out at that point, then it might be time to cut bait and move on. And CD, a couple of points that I want to make here. Number one, a guy like Eli Drinkwitz has one year of head coaching experience before getting to Mizzou. If you hire a guy with one year of head coaching experience or a guy that's an assistant coach mm-hmm. walking into that sort of a program, he needs to grow also right. and become uh, what he's going to be. The other part is, and I know this is a term that's way overused in sports, but you do need time, if it's a bad program, to implement a winning culture. Yes. And Gary Pinkle took over a program that had had 13 losing st- seasons out of 15, and the culture was really bad. And you have to turn that around, and it's not something that happens overnight, and it's not something that happens with the old guys' co- players. Yeah, it, it, it's a. I talk about the mental sp- side of sports a lot because that matters more than how physical you are, how strong you are, how fast you are. If you mentally don't believe you can win, you are not going to win. And when you have a culture that has been that way for many years, it takes time to get guys in there to kind of change that mindset, to bring new guys in that never had that mindset, to understand we believe we can win, we will win, and this is how we're going to go about it. I like that. Uncle Randy, I messaged you guys a while back about me getting a place and not being ready to play house with my girlfriend uh-huh. yet. Well she, just we assu- well, she just assumed that she could move in with me, and she oh. did. And I'm just not ready for a living girlfriend. It was fine when we were just seeing each other. How do I just tell her this isn't working for me and wanting to be back the way it was before I brought, bought my place? We've been together for a year, just letting you know. Clearly she got a key. The fact that she got a key is not her fault. A key is an invitation. And... You don't just move in without the supposition that you have been invited to move in. So, sorry, pal, this one's on you. (laughs) And I know that you don't want to play house, but you're playing house. You're stuck now. What if he didn't (laughs) give her a key? What if she just, you know... Brought things over. Well, okay, yeah. What? Yeah. What if she did the sneaky move in where it's like, yeah. okay, I brought my toothbrush and, and I brought and, a couple clothes so over. Much, if she doesn't have a key, then you need to go out. You need to go to a game. <laughs> and and she can be at the door saying, "How do I get in here?" And she can text you and you say, "Well, you don't live there. Go to your place." Ah, yeah. That, there you yeah. go. And then and then and also then, be and then there's no the, yeah. be prepared for the. But the she, if she hasn't been invited in. If she hasn't been given a key, that's pretty telling, right? I, I do I do agree. Yeah, that's uh, also, again, just referring to it as playing house, just I feel like I hope you don't do that in the actual discussions you've had about this because I have a feeling they, yeah. they have not been going well if yeah. that's how you've been referring right. to it. Just be a little bit more serious about it. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, there's a lady that some mutual friends have suggested I ask on a date, but she's a little older for someone in their early to mid-20s. When does the age gap become too much? I would like to know what the age gap is. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this: that you men in their forties, men reach their peak at eighteen. You know what I'm talking about, and women reach their peak in their early thirties. So, uh, if, if she's thirty-two and you're twenty-two, and you, she'll go out with you, and think about this: go for it. Your brain doesn't stop developing. <laughs> your, your brain doesn't stop developing till you're twenty-six. So make some yeah. stupid decisions, man. Like yeah. you're young, you're, yeah. you're, you're in your young to mid twenties. Now's the time you're supposed to make yeah. some bad decisions. Yeah, and you're you're dating. You're not going out yeah. on. You're, you're not getting hey. married. Yes. Yeah, make a move. Make a move where you might have to block a couple phone numbers. You know what happens. Yeah. Just hey. do, you know, live life. You know what? If you're twenty-two. Get some experience. <laughs> Live life. Yeah, Enjoy right. yourself. Yep. <laughs> this is just a comment. Randy, Uncle Randy's always spot on. I learned that key rule the hard way. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> Thank you very so much. As soon as you give them a key, that's the license to yep. just move their stuff yep. in? Hey, they live there. Yep. 
What? They do. That's if you the give them the key, that's in. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 the invitation. Yeah, she is. You have invited her to move in if you give her the key. No need to go home. To, and by the way, how are you supposed to learn these things? Uh, these you, rules you, of the go, world. you you learn yep. from other people's <laughs> mistakes, yep. or you text you, them to you, Uncle Randy. Yeah, there you go. And I don't want to sound sexist here because there's a, a lot more women that own their own homes than men. Ladies, if you give him a key, you're inviting him to move in. He lives there. Yeah. You find out he's got more yep. clothes there than he had last week. Uh, that's it's his home as well. Saying the sneaky yep. one. <laughs> they, they bring a go bag, but all of a sudden the go bag when they leave is a lot lighter yeah. than the one they brought. Yeah, a little, a little conspicuous. Let me just leave a few things here uh-huh. so I don't have to have to always go home. <laughs> right, just to <laughs> change. change. Just you know, I gotta gotta work in the one, morning. Maybe one change. Yeah. Dear Uncle Randy, my dad is impossible to buy for for Christmas. What's your go-to gift this holiday season? My go-to gift this holiday season is sound story. And all you need to do is go to mysoundstory.com. Well done. Thank you very much. Well done. And <laughs> if your dad's difficult to buy for, here's a cool thing about sound stories. You can have Tim McKernan or Randy Carricker or Learn from Casey, somebody at Hubbard Radio, interview your dad for his life story, and he can provide that to your family for generations. It's a really cool deal. So go to mysoundstory.com and pick up one of the gift cards and bring dad in and get him interviewed. And that will be a gift that nobody else is going to give him and it's something that he doesn't have and he can you can provide that knowledge that family background and history for the rest of time to your descendants less serious more of a sports question uncle Randy and cousin carrie where do you think george would be ranked if mizzou had beat them that's a great question i think they'd be where alabama is yeah on the outside looking in yep they would be a one loss team though but and, it was to mizzou it was to mizzou would georgia and bama be five six be, and Ohio be no State SEC being team? Yeah. Ooh. no SEC team in the top four. That's again, that hasn't Come happened on, since Mizzou. the first year. Or that, 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 yeah. that, there was one in the Come top on. four. Man. Yeah, that's that's where it would be, right? I, I, I think so. I think if you because they would have been fighting to get back into that top four spot, they would have been knocked out if they lost to Mizzou, an, an unranked team. Um, you know, a team they would end up six, seven, and five if they won that game. But still, not a not a team that you think should be beating a Georgia team. And Georgia. Let me. Georgia beat Oregon in their opener, and they beat Tennessee. Those are their their two two good wins. Otherwise, their their other wins: Samford at South Carolina, forty eight seven when South Carolina was just getting started. Kent State at Mizzou, and it was only twenty six twenty two. Auburn, they got their coach fired. Vandy, Florida at home. Uh, Mississippi State, that's a pretty good win. I'll give them credit for that. Uh, UK and then Georgia Tech. So they really have not. Actually, yeah. I think Alabama has better wins than Georgia does. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate it. Our buddy Greg Warren is here. He is going to be appearing at the Westport Funny Bone Comedy Club. You know, have you met Greg? I met him in the hall on the way in. He's a great man, and it'll be fun to have him here with us talking peanut butter on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everybody, Greg Warren is going to be appearing at the Westport Funny Bone tomorrow at 7.30. Then two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Uh, three shows on Saturday. Three Holy on smokes. Saturday. What yeah. do you got going on? It's nuts. And then a special engagement for all ages 
on Sunday, and Greg is in studio. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys. So are man. you exhausted after three shows? Yeah, it's a, it's a long day, but I love it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, uh, so we were talking during the break about uh, Matthew driving back and forth between Columbia and watching his iPad when he was a youngster. Yeah, we, yeah. we encourage people, obviously, <laughs> if you're driving around, we, we literally encourage people to text and drive. So what do you think? Uh, oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you should probably you should probably pull over and wait till you get to a stop sign or a stoplight before you text in the yeah, six five seven eight zero and ask your questions. Yeah. Who's the uh, legal representation for? We don't know. Going to be busy. Yeah, yeah going to be very busy. Good. Greg, I, I, I want to know, being a comedian, um, who who started you in comedy? What what was who? Which person did you see that made you want to start doing comedy? Probably like. Eddie Murphy, I'm okay. guessing, was the first guy that I thought was great. I mean, I was, uh, I'd wrestled in high school and we were cutting weight and we were going to a tournament up in Iowa, me and my friend on a bus, I think. Okay. And, uh, and my friend had, it was like the first Walkmans <laughs> and he had a Eddie Murphy cassette and I was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. This is insane. <laughs> and I just annoyed everybody around me for a year, just repeating everything yeah. that Eddie said. So yeah. yeah. And my uncle gave me some Bob Newhart stuff that I really, really, really resonated with me. But, uh, so you, 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 you coach at Hazelwood Central? I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They I were, do. uh. Man, my dad was a, he coached Kirkwood. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we had some run-ins with Hazelwood Central. Lost to him in the state semifinals a couple of times. Yeah, Hazelwood Central, we're, we're working to get it back on track. Uh, you, got, you got some good assistance, man? Yeah, we do. You want to come coach? You want to come coach? No, I, no. I, you know, yeah. I, I, would be, I would be a detriment. Uh, I played one year, uh, but I did get to uh, meet the, uh, I love the assistant high school football coach. Yeah. Uh, but it, the, the one in particular is that... Um, <laughs> The old guy that's been there for about 50 years and nobody really knows why. Yeah. Like his only purpose seems to be to to interrupt the head coach during the pregame. You know, head coach is like, all right, guys, bring it in. Listen up. For some of you seniors, this may be the last time you ever play football. So I suggest you go out the guys, we need to get those permission slips on for the banquet. Because there's 89 of you boys and only 11 of you turn them in. That's not going to cut it, fellas. I love you guys, but we are not going to have a banquet let's get them turned in. That's all I got, coach. Back to you. You need those coaches, though, because as a head coach, I don't remember everything. So if I can have a coach that will interrupt me in, in, in those times and, and remind yeah, the kids. Yeah, it always seems like they, they don't, their timing's not. It's not always great. No, I, I do agree. Like I was saying, guys, the only way we win this game is we leave all on the field. You understand me? Leave everything on the field. Guys, when coach says leave everything on the field, he is not talking about your football helmets. Last week, five of you boys left your helmets just sitting there on the sideline, just sitting there, and it rained that night, and the decals came off, and guess who had to be the one sticking them back on? Not you, DeAndre. Not you, Kevin. Not you, Steven. Me. Guys, I'm a football coach. I'm not a decal helmet football sticker owner. No, sir. No, sir. All right, coach, uh, take it away. Just let him have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, all, right, all right, guys. This is the last thing I'm going to say. That whistle's going to blow in about 10 minutes, and when it does, I want you fired up. 
I want 11 crazy men on that field. Crazy is fine on the field, guys, but once you get back on that school bus, you need to settle it down because the driver's got a lot of responsibility. He doesn't need a bunch of yahoos. Oh, shut up, Larry. Shut up. I don't care if you are my wife's idiot brother. I swear to God, if she leaves me over this, it'll be worth it. You guys feel upset, Coach, just when you don't turn in those permission slips? Now, I told you. Yeah, my dad. My okay. dad was. Uh, That's awesome. He was. A, he was a head wrestling coach at Kirkwood. He was. So uh, was he your coach then? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he was. How was that? Uh it was tough. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, uh, he still uh, watched watches tapes to me. <laughs> to this, I night? was good. Yeah, like I was good. I didn't lose very much at uh-huh. all. But the ones that he watches, are, <laughs> I'm like, why? Are, why are we watching this? You know, I won. A hundred matches, and I didn't lose many. You learn more from the losses. <laughs> I'm 54. Like, what are you? What were you doing in that match? You're laying there like a dead animal. What was wrong? I don't remember, Dad. I quit wrestling 29 years ago. You quit wrestling in the middle of this match. That's when you quit wrestling. But he, yeah, he was assistant football. He's retired now. He, he's uh, uh, his hobby is. Uh, Woodworking, like, he, okay. and he's, he's he can make all kinds of stuff. He's okay. Like it's pretty cool. But during the pandemic, he was doing his woodworking, and he cut his finger off. Oh, and this is not the first time it's happened. I was like, Dad, we can only do this seven more times. <laughs> they're, they're not salamander tails. They're not coming back. No, he really did. He cut his finger off, and where does he go when he cuts his finger off? This is very football coach type stuff. He goes. Total access urgent care. I was like, that's where you get a flu shot. It's not where you go when you lose a body part, you know? Got, you need to go to I the got, ER. I got, ER. ER. I got earwax cleaned out of total access urgent care last time I went. That's about right. That's about right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, so, but they they cleaned him up and they're like, hey, man, you, you got to have, uh, you got to have surgery tonight. And we don't do that here. And then we found this guy. There's only like two hand surgeons in St. Louis. There's a guy, I think his name's Dr. Dysart or something. He's, he's in Clayton. Great guy, man. Great guy. He takes us in that night in his office in Clayton. We go in for the surgery and, uh, you know, there's forms to fill out and my dad's got half a finger, so I'm doing the filling out. And uh, the first question is medical history. Now, he's he's 77. He's got a long history, mm-hmm. okay? And he's, he's a coach, so... Mm-hmm. He's extremely tough. I'm sure there's some stuff that he has that he's not telling me about. Right. So to be safe these days, when I get that question, I check them all. I, I check everything <laughs> they have. So it says here, your father has an ovarian cyst. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it's the left one. I, I, I think I think so. Yeah. And then the oh, second question was uh, medication. You know, he's, oh yeah, my dad's old. He takes a lot yeah. of pills. You know, I don't know what they are. I'm like, dad. What uh, what are you taking now? He goes, I don't want to get in. He goes, just put none. <laughs> I think they're going to get pretty suspicious when they see all the stuff that I checked in question number one. I can't do that. So yeah. come, did, did he have the other part of the finger? Yeah, it was more, I mean, it, it, he sort of, I mean, he cut a part of it off. Okay. He didn't cut the whole thing off. But so yeah, he you can see. a lot. Yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not quite as fast, but uh, <laughs> as tough, as mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was mean on, on, on the sports fields. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've gotten that. People like was that tough that he was your coach, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, the thing was, he he pushed me mm-hmm. pretty hard, but he pushed me in sports, which is a fairly normal thing to push right. your kids in. I mean, there's people out there 
who spend their whole lives trying to find Bigfoot. I mean, how would you like to have that guy? (laughs) Do you even want to find Bigfoot, son? Because you don't act like it. I hear you saying you want to find him, but you don't do a damn thing about it. You sleep till noon. Bigfoot doesn't get up at noon, son. Gets up at 4.45 in the morning. We're hours behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hazelwood Central, man. They were, when I was in high school, those guys... TVZ, yeah, 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 Tony Van Zandt, yeah, my friend uh, Walter Darris mm-hmm. and Freddie Darris, those guys were legends. Yeah. Mario Johnson, yep, man, yep, yep. yeah, yeah, those those guys, they broke our hearts, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but Kirkwood's doing okay now. You've won like four uh, Turkey Days in a row. Yeah, they did. They annihilated Webster. I don't think. Yeah. I think yeah, Webster's pretty far down. Kind of down. Yeah, yeah. Strong. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Kirkwood's. They're not quite what they were a couple of years ago, but they'll be back. Man. Hey, I want to uh, want to talk. Is comedy what it was ten years ago? I, I love the comedy where you. Uh, uh, let me tell you, I, I love listening to Anthony Jeselnik. I think he's oh, he's funny. Yeah, yeah, he's really funny, man. But he, there's a lot of mm, humor there that uh, I guess he can get away with it. But yeah, could every could you start a career doing that kind of comedy now? I mean. You know, I don't know. I mean, I I've never been. You don't work blue. You're you're. I mean, you're I, fun. I was a little bit profane, you know, for years, and then I kind of mm. did a little bit of a pivot, maybe eight or nine years ago. Not because I, it just sort of worked for me. I was like, as, as long as I'm this clean, I might as well be all the way clean. And you're and, you're, yeah. you're so funny without using that. Yeah, but I mean, people love to come up and be like, "Well, you're a clean comic. That's the best." Mm. I'm like. You know, some of my favorite comedians are filthy. I'm not saying what I'm yeah. doing is better or what, like. There's, no. it's just my whatever works for me. Right, right. But yeah, Jesselnik's, he's brilliant. But um, I think it's a little hard harder to start doing that because that's it, what I'm saying. Because what Anthony's doing is the guy is uh, extremely talented. The writing is very, very crisp and sharp, and. Um, to start doing that is, is, is tough, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Um, he is one of those guys that he gets imitated a lot. Like I, I see a lot of young guys. I'm, I go up to the open mic whenever I'm in town on mm-hmm. Tuesday nights and, and you know, I, I, I'm part of the community and I see a lot of people. I'm like, Oh, you're a Jesselnik fan. Like, cause the rhythm mm-hmm. is very easy to fall into. When I was starting out, the guy was my age, but I started late it was Mitch Hedberg. It was, it was yep. very easy to fall into his cadence or Dave Attell. Uh, they they have a cadence where it's like I'd find myself and be like, what are you doing, man? Shut yeah. up! You, you sound like Mitch. Greg Warren is with us. He's going to be at the Funny Bone tomorrow night through Sunday. You can just go to uh, stlouisfunnybone.com and find Greg Warren. Remember about twenty years ago when every single anal- football analyst on Fox sounded like John Madden? It was the same thing. Yeah, the same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 makes sense. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, people. Imitating. I, yeah. I think sometimes you do it. I mean, I I know I'm influenced by Newhart. Uh, hopefully not too much. And there's a guy named Jake Johansson that I probably am a little influenced by. But I I hope I've grown out of uh, most of it. I think Newhart's know? like 99 years old now. New, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he's he's got to be up there. So, I um uh, I think it was Buddy the Elf's about, dad. What's that? Buddy the Elf's dad. That's right, man. Yeah, yeah it's the Christmas time. <laughs> I think I was railing about peanut butter last time I was in here, right? Yeah, and you used to sell peanut butter. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I I sold some other stuff though. Uh, you know, I sold Pringles, right? 
No. Yeah. That's got, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> now, why would anybody shoot fish in a barrel? That, that's an aside. But you, you sound like my dad, man. You, I know exactly where you go, Randy. You said my dad was the same way. He's like, I mean, you're not really in sales. I'm like, yes, I am. Pringles is easy, right? Yeah, exactly what he would say. He's like, he's like uh, how'd your sales call go? I've been going to Schnucks for 50 years. They've always had Pringles. You guys want to carry Pringles? We already do. Pleasure doing business with you. That's not sales, son. Like, not nah, dad. It's whether they, it's not about whether they carry the brand. It's like, how do they, you know, uh, promote it? Uh, Do they carry all the items? How do they shelve it? Shelve it. Just like I thought. You're a stock boy. Like, I'm not a, your brother got a job clean out urinals at the airport. What's that make him a fighter pilot? (laughs) Pringles. Let me tell you, Pringles. Uh, I think it's a great product, okay? Uh, and I think the main reason, uh, efficient use of space. Yeah. Right? Mm. You ever open a can of Pringles? Yeah. Wall to wall, floor to ceiling, <laughs> chip, 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 chip. You ever open a bag of Lay's, Randy? Air. A lot of you air. You just bought air. You bought air. air. It's a lot Carrie. of air. I agree. This stuff does not belong. the most frustrating thing in, in the, the world. In the snack aisle, I, I it belongs agree. in the balloon aisle because that's what you bought. A blown up balloon with four chips in the bottom yep. of it. I Congratulations. It I agree. Perspective like that. Yeah, yeah man. Makes and sense. I'll tell you what, I, I can guarantee you that if I were a Pringles salesperson, there would be a can, or do we call them a can even though they're not made of metal, whatever it is. It's okay? a sleeve. It's a, it's tube, a, a, a sleeve. Tube, of, a sleeve. Yeah. Whatever it's it is. a can, guys. It is a I, can. I'm not going to stand for this. It's a can. <laughs> it fits in a cup of metal. There's a metal rim, Randy. There, there, is. Metal rim. there yeah. is. What do you but, want, man? You, 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 you want to just spend $75 on the packaging, Randy? Right? I'm mean, just wondering if we call it a we can. We can make it metal. It's canister. Be, canister. How about that? Canister is, yeah, canister is probably the appropriate term. It fits in the cup holder, and you can eat a whole canister of Pringles in your car while you're driving to the store. You're saying uh, the Pringles can doesn't fit in your... Uh... If it does fit in the cup holder, it's okay, fantastic. Okay, yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they thought of that when they were making them. They probably not, but... They sold a few. To me I, I think they did. Right? So, so, yeah, you didn't. Uh, there's smart people. Over there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they ran into problems early. It, uh, introduced in 1968. Okay. I had no idea. Yes, and uh, was doing well. And then the government said, "They said uh, you guys are made of corn and soy and wheat and potatoes. You're not 100 percent potatoes. You can't call yourselves potato chips. You have to call yourselves potato crisps." <laughs> And we did, and people were like, yeah, we still like them, you know? And then the government was like, you know, they're not made of 100% potatoes. And people were like, yeah, we kind of figured that when they were uniformly stacked on top of each other in the perfect shape of a horse saddle, we got it, all right? You know those gummy orange slice candies? Not real oranges. We figured that out, too. Yeah. (laughs) You're the best. That's funny. So what, yeah. you've got uh, these shows coming up, and you got your, a heavy travel schedule coming up in 23? Yeah, I mean, the rest of 22 is what I'm Good. trying to get. I got Omaha next week, Columbus, Ohio, nice. and then I think uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia on the on New Year's. Yeah, and then... Um, yeah, it's it's the uh, next year is looking good. Um, we recorded a, a special uh, a couple months ago, and we're going to release it sometime in in uh, twenty three. It's a uh, mostly about peanut butter and Pringles. I love yeah, it. Yeah. You, you have to come in and promote that when it's ready I to come will, out. Man, you'll, yeah, you'll be one of the first people. But yeah. you got to bring Pringles and peanut butter. I'll bring you some, man. Okay, I brought I Randy Jiff. I think last yep. time. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, all for it. Carrie, I'll bring you. Are you? Are you more of? A, you strike me as. Uh, 
you, you know, you're a pro football player, you're mm. a football coach, you're a no-nonsense guy. I would guess you're probably original red can Pringles. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to turn down any anything I mean, that if, is brought if in. If you got a flavor request, yeah, tell me now. I mean, barbecue is fine. I, I, really? Yeah, I, I'll do that. Pizza. And there are so many you, flavors. You, the, you had to be at the forefront of like, getting I those was stocks. on the team. I, I was there. <laughs> you, were, you changed my life as a my child. Friend, my friend Gene Williams and I were, uh, we introduced pizza and salt and ving- vinegar. Oh, salt and vinegar time. is where I'm at. And the company was saying, well, salt and vinegar is going to be the is going to do most of the work in this intro, okay? <laughs> and 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 pizza is just something we're throwing in. And my friend Gene Williams and I were like, "Hey, man, we think pizza might have some pizza." What was is it, it came out as a number five in the flavor lineup, guys? Right out of the gate, number five. Whoa. Kids went crazy over it. Yeah, <laughs> what were people thinking over there? Yeah, I, I know. I know. We, we talk about how brilliant they are, really. Hey, Randy, I've been listening to this show for a long time, and you're one of my favorite guys. I listen to Sports Open Line on Camwax. Back in the day. You've you made be- some mistakes. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to say, you're not perfect, man. You, you, you know, you've had some missteps. You've had a couple of missed calls, but I, that doesn't mean you, I don't still listen. No, I'm, uh, I, I'm not questioning you because you were all over the pizza thing. They I was. Weren't. I was. You know, I, you know, I made some bad mistakes, too. Though I'm not gonna lie, I mean I, I thought uh, I mean I, the, the company I, Duncan Hines was the one where man that that we, we made some oh god I mean, mango cake <laughs> blueberry os- uh, icing it looked like Crest and we sold Crest there was some people Procter and Gamble owned Crest there was uh, some suspicions thing, you know. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, we always love it when you're in town. We always love it when you're in studio. By the way, uh, Bob Newhart, only 93. Is that right? Yeah. He's so good, man. He's so good. He still does shows every now and then. It's amazing. I think he did the Two Hill uh, a couple years ago. I remember hearing about that, and I wish I would have gone and seen it. Yeah, he he was... uh, He's yeah, he's he's awesome. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Great to have you here. And again, you're at the Funny Bone at Westport tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, three shows. Yep. And then uh, and so they. By the way, in Columbus, I can tell you right now, they aren't going to be happy. Columbus, Ohio, they aren't because they aren't in the Final Four. Oh, so but that, I mean, you know, that's all they care about. I know right? we got to go, but that place. I mean, well, you're a Big Ten guy. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Ohio for a while when I was, you know, working for Procter and Gamble, and the the, the Buckeye fans, I, I love them, but they're annoying. They're you crazy. Know, you go I, anywhere, I in, you go anywhere in that state. If you say anything about anything in sports, half the room immediately goes. Oh, H! Yeah. yeah. Oh, I O. See, it takes two of these idiots to spell their state. <laughs> How do you spell the place where you live? Well, usually I work with a partner. Hold on a second. Jimmy, come here. They want us to spell Ohio. And then my least favorite, I went to Mizzou, so is the, the, of the chance is, uh, you know, the uh, KU people, they say uh, rock chalk Jayhawk, but they sing it. Real slow, like you're at a Catholic mass. You know, <laughs> rock, chalk, <laughs> in the name of the Father. <laughs> Awful. Uh, you'll get, you'll you'll laugh when you go see Greg Warren this weekend at Buddy Boy. Always great to great to see you. Thanks for great seeing by. you guys, man. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a million. The great Greg Warren joining us on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it is coming up next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. 
Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Carrie, Randy, Matthew, and you, the text line open, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It CD. We've talked a lot about Live Golf during this show, especially when we have Jay Delsing on with us on Friday morning, and there was a lot of blowback for golfers that took money from the Saudis. Well, now, Cristiano Ronaldo, who just left Man U because he said something bad about the franchise, uh... He's being offered a three and a half year deal for $360 million with the Saudis. Take it or leave it, you should take it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of money. You just got to know where you're doing business and right. who you're doing business with. Yep. I, put I, your head down and play soccer for three and a half years and get the heck you out know of it. What? I, I'm going, I think, I, how, much has, has, how much has he made in his entire career? He's got to be right he's, near he's, that. I may leave that, Randy. You know, it, all money isn't good money. And, you know, some of the things that I've been been hearing and reading and uh, just some, dealing with some, some people that you may not want to deal with in the long run. Phil Mickelson said that, that they yeah, were some scary blanker blankers. Yeah, you might, you might think twice about chasing after. That's a lot of money now. And now, if you've never made that type of money in your life, you've never made $300 million, mm-hmm. you definitely have to go and make it. But if you are... Like Tiger Woods didn't need to chase right. anything and because by he's the way, made a ton of money yeah. in his life. Ronaldo, his net worth is also over a billion dollars. So then, yeah, I'm going to say leave it. All right. That's me. So I was watching the uh, Warriors take on the Mavs last night, and there's a couple of stats that just blew my mind. Luka Doncic has 20 40-point games in his five-year career. Dirk Nowitzki had 22 in his entire <laughs> career as a Mav. Dirk has, I'm sorry, Luca has four, has three 40 triple, uh, tri- point triple doubles this season. He's the only player with that this season. Take it or leave it. He goes down as, and he's a three time All Star in five. It is his fifth season. Take it or leave it. He goes down as the all, as the greatest player to play this game. I'm gonna leave it. And I think the reason is, it's not because he's not great, but I don't think he's in good enough shape to last. You don't think he'll last long enough? I don't think he's so. He's 23 right now. Yeah. And he is he is he is well on his way. If he does, if he if he because I, I do see what you're saying. He, he needs to take care of his body, take like care LeBron of his body, does. transform his body to to being stronger yeah. and 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 more able to take on you know a long season and, and staying healthy. If he decides to do that at some point, then maybe it, it, it start lifting weights and getting in better shape. I don't think he's in horrible shape. He came into horrible shape. He came into the season in horrible shape last year, and Jason Kidd called him out about it. But if he, you don't, you don't agree with that. It was no. He, he didn't. His shape wasn't that much better to start the season this year. Well, he, he's what, he's a guy who plays himself into shape throughout the season, and that's that's it's one thing when you're a 34 year old like Keith Kachuk doing that. It's different when you're a 23 year old and you still got to be establishing your, yourself as an all star and you know an MVP candidate. You can't be doing that when you're young. That's that's some I, veteran stuff right there. I think you can do it when you're young, and you can't do it when you're old because when you're young, it's easier to get into shape than it is when you're older. Draymond Green does this a lot. He This is the first year. Last year he came in. You can look at his body and tell he was out of shape. 
This year he came into the season. He looks very good. He's mm-hmm. an older guy. But when you're an older guy, it's harder to play your way into shape than it is when you are a younger guy. Right. And and so I think if Luka, he's 23 right now, by the time he's 25, 27, 28, if he understands that I need to come in mm-hmm. prepared, this young man can be can be everything you've ever seen in a, in a, in a NBA player. All right, I, I've got two quick things here. Number one, speaking of Walt and his conditioning, one time he came back, I think it was after the lockout, and he got suspended for being overweight. And one of his teammates said to him, Jesus, Walt, what'd you do? Swallow an airbag? <laughs> that's, that's uncalled for. It's, it's, it's kind of like a story. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The other thing is, CD, I'm going to respond to your take it or leave it with a take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. You will find it within yourself to be able to say that anybody is better than Michael Jordan. I will never I leave that. I will never be able to say that anyone is better than Michael Jordan. I'm with you. Well, you're Michael the one who Jeffrey came up Jordan. With the take it or leave it. That was for him, not for me. Yeah. If you ask me, I'm gonna leave. And it. I left it too. He right. left it. Right. That, right. That we because from seven you're to ten. Traps. You're hold traps. on, hold on. From seven to ten a.m. on one on one ESPN, we have come to an agreement that Michael Jeffrey Jordan is the best basketball Greatest player ever. that has ever lived. Greatest ever. Correct. I don't. I don't see. We're Lucas. waiting on your. We're waiting on your 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 approval. Sir. Your response. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, are you part of the team or not? Yeah. Kareem, Kareem <laughs> oh. Jabbar. Uh, okay. That's right. As long as you didn't say the other Laker that's playing that. there now. Argue with that. As long as you didn't say the guy that's playing there I now. think a better take it or leave it would have been take it or leave it. Luka Doncic wins more than three MVPs. Oh, I'll take that. I'm going to leave it. Wow, that's he's that. twenty three. Yeah, he's he's the gonna is, he's gonna he's, win one of the I next think two Booker's years. Twenty three. You still have Giannis, Booker's pretty young. I think Booker's twenty six. I don't think Booker is yeah. as good. As, Booker's yeah. not on the same playing Booker field. Is, no. But Booker plays twenty six. Yeah. Well, hopefully, that franchise will be better. But right now, that's a better franchise. I don't know if Mark, Mark Cuban's capable of putting that sort of a franchise together again. I was asking before the show. I was asking uh, Matthew what the Mavericks need to do to surround Luka. Because to be an MVP, you have to be on a really yeah. good team. Yeah. All right, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it, we should have the Blues need to start a rebuild conversation at least two more times before the trade deadline. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Two like more it, times. I like it deadline. when somebody just addresses how, how ridiculous the conversation yep. can be sometimes. Take it or leave it, the Rams go four years before their next winning season. Let's go ahead and include this season. Take it. Take it. Ooh. Maybe longer than that. It might, that that's say. tough. Because they've got... Uh, this is not make uh, the playoffs a winning season. Right, right. That's tough. They have... Was it for 2024? So next year they only have like $60 million or $6 million in cap space. And in 2024, they've got like two-thirds of their cap money already allotted to the two four players. Um, take it or leave it. Josh Bell would be a great DH signing, hitting in between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I'll leave that. I'll leave it as well. I mean, that I want them to spend the money on somebody a little bit more versatile than just a locked-in DH. And I think the Cardinals would like to spend the money on somebody who's a little bit more versatile, gives them options, allows them to, you know, kick Nolan Gorman to the DH if he if he can't play second base and so on and so forth. I just I think a DH signing is is the last in my like my hierarchy of big signings I would want for the Cardinals. Just a strict straight up DH only would probably be pretty low on my list personally. Uh, take it or leave it. Jokic or Luka win more MVPs in their career. Ooh, then Jokic, Jokic already has. Jokic, oh, Jokic, has Jokic two. wins no, has more two. than Luka. 
Yeah, take it or leave it. Who wins more? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Luca. Um, uh, and he's two behind right now. Yeah. And that's that's I think I think Jokic is done. I with MVPs, it, with MVPs not being a great player. I don't think he should have won last year. I think uh, Joel Embiid should have won. Yeah, the MVP, NBA MVP is a weird thing where like the voters get sick of voting for people and then they just stop yeah, for a while. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think Jokic, he got his two. People are going to just ignore him now yeah. for the rest of the, the voting. That's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good call. a 10 or 11 year run there where LeBron should have won every year. Yes. yes. And they got, they got all the Kobe and Nash ones wrong too. Yeah. You just flip them right. around. Yep. It's weird. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, we're going to play a little NFL game called Fill in the Gaps. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Gary, Randy, Matthew, and a little NFL talk with a new game called Fill in the Gaps. Matthew, what do you got for us? Yes, and so if you guys have any NFL questions for Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, and Randy Kerry, the man's been covering the NFL for quite a little bit of time, just, you know, a few years here and there, right? Yeah, 30s, 40-something, 40. First thing I ever did was I'm, a Jim Hannafin press conference. I am 31. In 1983. Uh, <laughs> you've been covering the NFL nine years longer than I have been alive. and It's like 12 years longer than I've been able to talk. So, if you have any NFL questions for Kerry Davis or Randy Carricker today, well, we're going to fill in the gaps of your NFL knowledge here with Kerry Davis, who, you know, he, he, he had some issues with people who tried to fill some gaps back in his day. Eh. <laughs> Make sure they didn't. N- nothing too big for you, though? Nah. There you go. Take so, let's dive boots. into it. My big one right out of the gate. We know that Deshaun Watson. Watson is returning against his former team as quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. But I was impressed over these last four weeks with the play of Jacoby Brissett. So my question for Kerry and Randy, is Jacoby Brissett a starting NFL quarterback next season? Um, No. I, 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 off the top of my head, I would say no as well. I would have to find a play. I, I think he may be a, a quarterback that can have some spot starts, but I don't think he goes into any season uh, next season being the starting quarterback for any franchise. There is not a team that I'm looking at on this on this list of teams that actually need a quarterback that would go get him as opposed to going you know through the draft and, and finding their quarterback. I will say this, though. One of the things that I want in a backup quarterback is, is the ability not to just come in and play a second half. I want a guy that can play three games for yeah. me if my starter is out. I do think that Jacoby Brissett can be that sort of a backup where if your starter goes down, he can give you three or four games and at least keep you afloat. Correct. Yeah, I, I just thought, man, he launched a ball when he got hit this past week, something like 75 yards, and I was like, I don't – I forget he has that kind of arm strength. Mm-hmm. And with the up and downs that that guy's been in, I mean, this is his – third different franchise. He constantly is getting started, thrown back in, pulled back out, thrown back in. I just think at this point, if you're a team, especially in, a, in a maybe not the best quarterback draft, if you're a team that can't lock in on a guy like um, you know Levis from Kentucky, and if you don't want to go into the Ohio State quarterback churn with a guy like C.J. Stroud, I just think that's a good one or two year gap quarterback for a team. Again, if you don't want to dive all the way in, if you don't think Levis is worth the number one overall pick, maybe he's your bridge quarterback in Houston. You know where he would have fit well? Indianapolis, where he was. That's a very yep. good point. Yeah, <laughs> he was there, and they let yep. him. And and he's no longer there. He would have, he would have probably 
you know, help with some of those issues that they've had over the last couple of years trying got, to find one. We've got a couple here on the text line. Again, text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 with any of your NFL questions as we fill in the gaps today. Is Zach Wilson riding the bench for the rest of the season for the New York Jets? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike White's the guy. And, and, and Mike White showed it last year when he had a couple of opportunities to start. Um, and so now he's he's been named the starter by, by Robert Sala. I don't know that Zach Wilson gets that position back. And this is not – I think when when Rosen from, from the uh, Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. got cut after one year of being a, a top-10 quarterback drafted, I think that set a precedent for teams to say, okay, it can be done. We don't have to hold on to a guy that we don't believe in or we don't think that can, can um, be the quarterback of the future. You got Mike White. You decided to let him start. The way that he played on Sunday, you cannot go back to Zach Wilson – and and have that team believe in any form or fashion that you want to win games or make a playoff run. That's the key, is in my mind. Zach Wilson may be a more skilled quarterback, but that team responds to Mike White. The energy level, we saw it the week before. We saw how angry uh, Garrett Wilson got and how upset the defensive players were when Zach Wilson was their quarterback. And it's automatic energy but when Mike White is under center. I don't know if he's the more skilled quarterback. I, I don't know that he's the I don't know that he's the better talented quarterback. I think Mike White, he may Zach Wilson may have the stronger arm. Yep. He may have the physical uh, ability over over Mike White, but I don't think he understands the 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 game as well as Mike White does. I don't understand I don't think he understands what they're doing schematically as well as Mike White does and and therefore they're having more success with Mike than they are with Zach Wilson. Exactly. Agree with you 100%. Uh great text here from uh, 618, they pointed out the Dolphins were, were also on Jacoby Brissett's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's on his fourth franchise yeah. already. And speaking of the Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, obviously he's having a better year. You guys would accept the premise that if Tyreek Hill was not a Dolphin, Tua would not be doing this, correct? Yes. Okay. With that said, with that said, he's facing the most zone coverage in the league, just like Pat Mahomes did last year because of a guy like Tyreek Hill. Things change in the playoffs. So, do you buy Tua and this offense against a locked-in playoff defense when it comes to that time? Things not going to change to the tune of running man-to-man versus Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. No, but you can, they, you can they lock they in a defensive game plan a little bit differently. They the won't change to that tune. I can guarantee you that the, the Buccaneers tried it in the regular season with Carlton Davis against Tyreek Hill, and he went off. <laughs> right. And so you learned a lesson there. And so now teams are going to play zone. You're going to know where guys are dropping. You're going to know where, where guys are going to be. And your receivers are going to have to find those windows. And that's what Tua has done a very good job this season of getting his guys the ball. He got he got Tyreek almost killed last week, but for the most part, he's been doing a pretty good job of, of getting those guys to find windows and allow, allowing those guys to catch the ball and run. The key for Miami the rest of the season is going to be to hold serve because if the playoffs started today, they would only have to go on the road to play Kansas City. If they have to go on the road to play a Buffalo or if they have to go on the road to play any cold weather team, they're going to struggle. But since they have every game at home until Kansas City, I think they can win in Miami. I think they can beat anybody. Although, I know that last week Mike McDaniel said there's a chance that Byron Jones could play by the end of the season. They're a different defense when they have Jones and Xavier Howard at the corners. We got one more here. I think this is a great question. Is Alvin Kamara dried up, or is this just a bad team he is on and he needs a change of scenery? He is on a terrible team. And I am I am amazed 
that they did not go back to Jameis Winston at some point, that Andy Dalton has been the one that they have tried to ride this thing out with. It's almost like they, they, they that, that Allen is saying, Dennis Allen is saying, hey, <laughs> this season is going to be a lost season. And it didn't have to be. They were in a division that anyone could have won even up to a week ago, two weeks ago, they still had an opportunity to win that division because no one wants to win it. The Buccaneers don't. The Carolina Panthers are trying, but they're not good enough. And and the Atlanta Falcons, they're not good enough either. So the fact that Alvin Kamara is on this team and they're not getting him the ball, he turned it over. He fumbled it a couple of times last week. But he is still a, a, a dynamic football player when you get the ball in his hands. He's on a terrible team right now. And, and you know, Mike Thomas has been out for the for, for the majority of the year. They've had a lot of injuries. But the fact that they did not put Jameis Winston back into the game after Andy Dalton has struggled the way that he has, it, it seems to me like they've they've given up on this season. And it's it's got to be tough for Alvin Kamara to deal with that. And take a look at the Ravens. I don't know if they can count on J.K. Dobbins anymore. Yeah. That would be a, an interesting spot with with Lamar and Kamara trying to build up, kind of like what the, the number of tools that San Francisco has yeah. assembled. Yeah. They could use a tool like Alvin Kamara in Baltimore. It would be amazing to see him somewhere where he has an offense, an offensive line that is going to allow him to be what he is. Yep. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Thank you, Matthew. And thanks for your text. Next up, we're going to talk to Bernie Federico about the Blues and the Hurricanes tomorrow night here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, Valley Sports Analyst, Bernie Federko, the Hall of Famer, joins us this morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm good, thank you. It's great to have you with us. Let's start with this. How was Thanksgiving? It was great. It was, uh, you know, nice and quiet. Didn't do a lot, but uh, I, I love Thanksgiving. It's one of those uh, holidays where I think it's the best, where you don't really you can kind of get the family around. You don't have to really buy any gifts or anything or do anything <laughs> crazy like that. So it's kind of nice to sit around and relax. It was really wonderful. Glad you had a good time. It was great. Thank you. Hey, Bernie, we were talking about the uh, loss to the Dallas uh, to Dallas the other day. Um, Randy and I didn't think the Blues played ex- exceptionally poorly. We thought they played pretty well, but Dallas was just a better team. How did you feel about that game? I would totally agree. I mean, uh, if the Blues play like that each and every night, they're going to win a lot more games than they're going to lose. I mean, it was one of those games that could have went either way. I thought the goaltending was really good on both ends. Uh, obviously, Dallas is, is showing that they've, they've got uh, a lot of energy. They're playing with a lot more zip than they did in the past. And I think Peter DeVore has really got them playing kind of a new style. And I think the Blues were there toe-to-toe. I, I would have liked to have seen the Blues uh, – shoot a little bit more. I think they overpassed, especially in the second period. They had some opportunities where I thought they overpassed the puck. They had a couple of bounces that didn't go their way. But uh, overall, I thought it was a really good game. And, um, you know, Dallas just got the better of the breaks and, and got the, the goals when they really needed them. Bernie, Craig Bruby said yesterday here on our air that he thinks that there's a good chance that Robert Thomas will play tomorrow night. How important has he become for this team's success? I think we're seeing the changing of the guard a little bit. Uh, I think that Robert now is is the is the go to center iceman. Uh, he's the guy that's uh, you know killing penalties. He's out there in the power play. He's really got the most ice time. And, uh, and I think Craig says it well. I mean, 
uh, when you looked at the way he plays. I mean, he, he has puck control more than probably anybody else on the team. He, he likes to carry the puck. He's coming back. He's doing all the things that, that, that I think he's learned a lot of that from Ryan O'Reilly, the 200-foot game. And uh, obviously, he's, he's a really, really good passer. So, so uh, yes, when you you miss, obviously, you've got your what you would call your best center iceman. I mean, I, I think you always have to be strong up the middle, which is goaltending and center. I think you always build from there. And Robert right now is the go-to guy. And he's not in the lineup. Obviously, you see Buchnevich and, and Cairo will not uh, will kind of miss a guy like that in the middle because they've, they've got that chemistry together. And then all of a sudden, when you miss that key guy, now everybody has to move up a notch or – move down or whatever, you're mixing matching lines, and it takes away the chemistry of the entire team. So, yes, he was dearly missed, and hopefully he will be back tomorrow. Bernie, we've talked about wishing that he would shoot more, and you were a, a spectacular Hall of Fame passer. Did you ever, especially when you're, you're playing with guys like Sutter and, and Wayne Babich, those guys who are, are big scorers, did you ever have to take it upon yourself like consciously to be a little bit more selfish and shoot the puck more? Uh, yes and no. Um, you just have to be involved. Uh, you have to go to the net, uh, and that's something that the, Robert doesn't maybe doesn't have to shoot the puck that that moment. I'd like to see him shoot the puck more. Yes, because I think he overpasses a lot of times. But I think one thing that you have to do is that you have to be involved after you make the pass. You can't watch your pass. You got to go go to the front of the net and get a rebound. Go and get involved so that if the puck does come back to you, you've got a chance to score. And I think that's something as as you get older in the league. Um, you find out that, hey, if you're not scoring, that means that you're not going to the net. And, and Robert needs to score. I mean, that's something that uh, obviously he's a passer first. That's going to always be his mentality. But you still got to get involved in the, in, the, in the goal scoring, too, because you can't just be a, a passer alone. And, and, and it's not even from shooting. The, and I, I think we all see that. If, if, you, if, you, if everybody on the, on the other team knows that you're going to pass, all they're going to do is go ahead and go cover the, the, the winger or the, the passer, the, the, the guy that's going to get passed to, and if he's not going to shoot, all of a sudden he takes himself right out of the play. So, yes, uh, but those are things that you've got to kind of change as you progress, as you get older, as you get a little more experience. I think you understand that, and, and Robert will learn that as he goes. Okay, I'm thinking here as I asked you that question, I, and I mentioned Sutter and Babbage, and I'm thinking Joey Mullen and uh-huh. the, the year yep. you spent with Hully. Who was the best finisher that you played with? Well, I think Joey Mullen probably was. I mean, Holly was uh, obviously just coming into his own. I mean, you could see the flashes that he had, I mean, because the way he shot the puck. But I would say that probably uh, finishing overall, I mean, Joey was probably the best. I mean, Wayne Wayne Babbage was more of an overpowering shooting. He was not the guy that was really going to pick corners. He was just going to overpower uh, the, the the shots or the, how are the goaltender with his shots? But um, I think that Joey probably was was the guy that was the most valid. Kevin Lavalley was another great shooter that played a little bit with me. I mean, Brian was the, the guy that went to the front of the net. And he mm-hmm. he got his goals from from you know right in the slot area and stuff. But I mean, uh, Lavalley could really shoot it from anywhere, and so could Joey Mullen. So I, I would I would I would pick Joey as, as the guy that was was the most talented goal scorer that I played with. Hey, Bernie, Kelly Rosen is uh, leading the team in plus-minus. Um, it seems like every time he's on the ice, he's making a, a big play, uh, but he's only averaging around 13 minutes a game. Do you see a scenario where he starts to average more time on the ice? That's a really good question, Kerry, and I think that he's uh, really found his home here. Um, will he get more ice time? I, I think he will. I mean, I think he's proven that he is uh, uh, very capable of, of adding, especially to the offense, and um, you know he's been used sparingly, and it really is the seventh defenseman, but uh, when you look at what he's done when he's been called upon, when guys have been hurt, he's been stepping in the lineup and he's, he's been doing a great job. Now, 
a lot of times you get into a situation where you still are going to always be the seventh defenseman. Now, whether or not you're going to get that extra ice time, but I, I think when they look at his stats and they look at how he's played and, and his efficiency when he's been in the lineup, yeah, I think that he's probably going to get more ice time. Will, will, will they count him as a you know fourth or fifth or even a third defenseman at some point in time? Who knows? But I think that's something he's going to have to develop into. Bernie Federico, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll be tuned in tomorrow for the Blues and the Hurricanes on Bally Sports. Thanks, fellas, and stay warm. It's very cold out there today. <laughs> yeah, you too. Thanks, Bernie. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. That's the Hall of Famer Bernie Federico joining us on 101 ESPN. I, I never asked Bernie that question, and you think, okay, well, he's played with so many great scores, and he was the reason that a lot of the people that he played with were great scores. Mm-hmm. But Joey Mullen's a Hall of Fame goal scorer, 500-goal guy. I, I get that. And I, I thought that would be the case when he talked about Hully because mm-hmm. Hully wasn't Hully yet when, yeah. when Bernie yeah. played with him. If they would have kept Joey Mullen around with this team, it, Hall of Fame goal scorer, man, yeah. it would have been so different. He was great. And he would have been playing with Brett Hall at some point, correct? Right, would have been yeah. on that, those two together and, and Bernie. You might have had a power play. Yeah, might have had one. <laughs> might have been able to score some goals. Hey, we need a fighter for the fight today. Text in 65780, the word fight. If you would like to participate, we'd love to have you with us. And as a matter of fact, that fight's coming your way next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And Rock, we got some pretty good questions today. Uh, thank you, Kerry. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Did think you did pretty well today. It's a weird time in the sports calendar right now. It's a weird time in the sports calendar right now. A lot of things going on. There's just so much stuff going, going on. on. Well, there's so much stuff going on, but none of it. It's like the NFL's in that like last stretch before things really matter. College football's now. Championship games are up. We're all wondering what, what the top four is going to be. Hockey with the Blues is kind of mired in that early season malaise. The World Cup's now, you know, we got a dead period where no one cares because the United States won yesterday. I'm getting yelled at by the Texas for how I pronounce other countries' names. It's a weird Tunisia? time. Yeah, I said Tunisia. I don't Is know. it Tunisia? Some people say Tunisia. I'm saying Tunisia. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just, I'm having fun with it. We're, we're, we're just roll with it, Carrie. You know right? what it is. Tunisia. Yeah, you know what country it is. It's Tunis and then add on some other letters. There you go. Our fighter today is Zach. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. You feeling good? You ready to roll? Nah, we'll see what happens. All right. Is it Zach with a K or an H? K. K. All right, Zach with the K. Wow, Kerry's really just trying to find any spelling error he can. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I got it right. Saying. I, I like to make sure I spell people's names correctly. Okay, then. And, and make sure we got everything ready to go. All right, Zach, here we go. Today would have been the great Bill Walsh's 91st birthday. Which NFL team did he first coach for? San Diego Chargers, L.A. Rams, or Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, Chargers. Happy birthday to Bo Jackson. After his issues with the Buccaneers in 86, what round did the Raiders draft him in 1987? Was it the fifth, sixth, or seventh round? Uh, Sixth. All right, Zach. After Larry Brown's two-interception half and subsequent Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 30, which team did he sign with following the 95 season? Was it the Dallas Cowboys, the Oakland Raiders, or the Pittsburgh Steelers? Steelers. 
And last night was Luka Doncic's fifth career 40-point triple-double, which ranks second all-time for the most in the first five seasons of a player's career in NBA history. Which triple-double maestro holds the record with 19 40-point triple-doubles? Is that Oscar Robertson, Jason Kidd, or Russell Westbrook? Uh, Let's go Westbrook. All right, we'll double-check the score here. We will bring Randy Carricker in. All right, Zach, how you feeling? Uh, Horrible. I don't know anything about football or basketball. Oh, you were hoping so for hockey or baseball? Really today. Yes, <laughs> both of those. Well, you can blame Rock. We do that around here often, so don't worry about it. Uh, no worries. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Zach. He he's, he he had some uh, he had some issues. He said, "Oh, Zach, sorry to hear that. How you doing now?" Uh, well, you know, I'm on the fight, so I'm good. How are you, Randy? <laughs> Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Of course. All right, Randy. Here we go. All right, let's do it. Today would have been the great Bill Walsh's 91st birthday. Hmm. Which NFL team did he first coach for? As a head coach? As any, a coach. Any kind of coach. What, what was the first NFL team he was hired as a coach for? Um, well, he was with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Bengals. Under Paul Brown, I will go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Happy birthday to Bo Jackson. After his issues with the Buccaneers in 1986, what round did the Raiders draft him in the 1987 draft? He was a seventh-round choice of the Raiders. After Larry Brown's two-interception half and subsequent Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 30, which team did he sign with following the 95 season? Curious that he was a Super Bowl MVP mm-hmm. that became a free agent. Mm-hmm. That means he went to the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how that works? Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Randy, last night was Luka Doncic's fifth career 40-point triple-double, which ranks second all-time for the most in the first five seasons of a player's career. Which triple-double maestro holds the record with 19 40-point triple-doubles in their first five seasons as a player? Okay, this is interesting. In their first five years... I don't think Russ got going with the triple doubles until later, until Harden and uh, and KD were gone. So I don't think he was his first five years. So we've got the big O, we've got Magic. 19 in his first five years. I'll do the lifeline. Is it Oscar Robertson, Jason Kidd, or Russell Westbrook? Ooh, Jason and this is 40-point triple-doubles. 40-point right? triple-doubles. 19 in their first five seasons. I'm going to go with the big O. We got a good fight today. Some NFL questions, a lot of NFL questions, and an NBA question. Not a lot of b- baseball or hockey like our boy Zach was hoping for, but did he pull the old reverse jinx in the fight that we've seen too many times with no confidence in his answers? Did he st- take down Randy Carricker in the fight, or does the champ... Roll on. Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. And Randy, I actually owe you this technically. Crazy, folks. Go crazy. My apologies. Randy did get the jack. He got four correct. Unfortunately, Zach, he beat you 4-0 on this fight. Let's go through those answers. You heard You heard Randy give them all, but just in case you didn't, and you heard Zach's reaction, here are the answers. Today would have been the great Bill Walsh's 91st birthday. The 
NFL team that he first coached with was the Cincinnati Bengals. He coached them from 68 to 75 as an assistant coach. He had one year with the San Diego Chargers, and then he would join the San Francisco 49ers and obviously set his his, his record from there. Happy birthday to Bo Jackson after his issues with the Buccaneers in 86, including when they apparently lied to him and he was not too happy about it. He was drafted by the Oakland Raiders in the seventh round of the 1987 draft. Speaking of the Oakland Raiders, after Larry Brown's two-interception half and subsequent Super Bowl MVP, well, he went to the only place that Super Bowl MVPs on free agents' deals go. That was, of course, the Oakland Raiders, and he did not do too well uh, with that big contract, did he, Randy Carricker? He did not. Neither did Desmond Howard after he won the MVP and went to the Raiders as a free agent. Good point. Uh, Later on, they just would draft guys who ran a lot of very fast 40s. It would also go poorly for them. Last night was Luka Doncic's fifth career 40-point triple-double, which ranked second all-time for the most in the first five seasons of a player's career by by the way, he broke a tie with Wilt Chamberlain, but he is well behind, 14 behind, 19, Oscar Robertson, the big O, with all those 40-point triple-doubles to start his career. Randy wins the fight 4 to nothing. Zach, you, thank you so, Zach, thank you so much for playing. Yeah, thank you guys for the opportunity. Have a great day. All right, Zach, thank you very much. So, uh, Zach with us. I, I kind of winced there when I heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Here's the Zach, thing. Zach laughed as well, so he was a good sport. Here's the it. funny thing. He made the same mistake I made when I wrote the Larry Brown question. Because when I wrote the Larry Brown question in my head, I go, oh, yeah, he picked off um, he picked off the down. Raiders twice, and then he signed with the Steelers. I got it completely mixed up in my head when I wrote the question. His answer was the Steelers for the Larry Brown question. I wonder if he did the exact same thing I did. Oh, that which might is be. completely turn around the Super Bowl team and the team he signed with. And I don't know if those were interceptions as much as they were just passing. They were, yes. they were Donald thrown to right Brown. to him. I yeah. don't think you could hand you couldn't have handed it to him uh, any better than that. It's funny though because people talk about the Larry Brown and they talk about how he got gifted those interceptions, and it really really makes it seem like he just went to town only on that fact and not on the fact that he really had three really good years. Mm-hmm. With Dallas leading up, I mean, he had a pick in the Buffalo Super Bowl a few years earlier. I think he had five picks that regular season. He was going to get a good contract, right. but it, it is kind of stereotypical and funny, the fact that it does happen with the Raiders, and it does immediately go poorly. Oh, that was a that was an Al Davis move all the way. That's kind of <laughs> like when the, when the Rams decided on Lawrence Phillips. He played in the Fiesta Bowl, I think it was against Florida, and on January 2nd, the, uh, the Rams GM comes into the office and says to one of the PR guys, we got our first-round pick. After a bowl, after a single bowl game, <laughs> we got our first round pick, and it was Lawrence Phillips. Well, back then they really cared more about the bowl games, though, Randy. So well, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I want to read you guys a quote from a Ken Rosenthal piece this morning at the Athletic regarding the Cardinals. Here's what it says: Cardinals GM John Mozeliak in a telephone conversation Tuesday, that would be yesterday, made it clear the team's number one priority is acquiring an everyday catcher. Asked about the possibility of adding a shortstop, Mozeliak said, "Quote: Tommy Edmond is a very, very good shortstop." Unquote. Zalek allowed that a change in the marketplace could prompt him to adjust it short, but it's doubtful he could strike a bargain in free agency or in a trade. As for the outfield, Moe said that the Cardinals have numerous options, describing top prospect Jordan Walker as the biggest wild card. He didn't rule out a veteran addition, but such a player likely would be a backup behind Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Lars Newtbar. So, sounds to me like the Cardinals are not going to pursue a shortstop unless one falls into their lap, which mm-hmm. I don't anticipate happening. They are going to look at a catcher, and if it, there's an outfield outfielder, it would be maybe a replacement for Corey Dickerson. But sounds to me like they want O'Neill, Carlson, and Newt Barr, at least at the outset, to be the starters with the big wild card being Jordan Walker. I think that is kind of the thought, the process mm-hmm. that we had. 
coming in. I, I you know there are there are a couple of catchers that we have talked about that the Cardinals could potentially be going after. And you know if they have if they feel confident with Edmund and 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 um, Brendan Donovan. Donovan up the middle, and then you have Mason Wynn on the way potentially sometime yeah. either this season or next season or or the season following. I, I still think with the money that they, they talked about having, the extra money that they talked about having, they have to spend that on a named, a named guy. You have to know mm-hmm. someone that is going to come in and be able to hit the yeah. ball. But I think we can stop talking about shortstop. We can stop eh, dreaming probably. about Trey Turner, right? Unless he's just hitting us with a look over here and doing but something That's the thing about Mo. He doesn't do that. He's very open and honest about yeah. his, his very direct. Yeah. I, I could appreciate that. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up. Reaction to the big Team USA 1-0 victory on the pitch in the match yesterday against Iran. And what's going to come up with the Netherlands? What do they have on the horizon? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Taylor. Para Wolfgang McGee, se mete Serginio. Vino para Serginio Des. El toque medio, posición. Gol. Gol. That's only the second of the four goals <laughs> that we got yesterday as Christian Pulisic scored in the first half for the USA, and they. Advanced with a 1-0 shutout of Iran in the group stage. And now the U.S. will move on to play the Netherlands on Saturday. U.S. had five shots on goal yesterday among their 12 opportunities. And they held Iran just to one shot on goal and four opportunities. And that's the sort of defense that they'll have to play. They'll, they'll have to play a tight marking game against the Netherlands on Saturday. And they'll, they'll have to play great defensively, Kerry and Matthew, if they aren't going to have Pulisic, which is a distinct possibility. Hard to imagine that he would be at 100%. Well, they, they've played pretty well defensively throughout the, the World Cup thus far. Um, my question to you, Rock, is are the Netherlands, are they better than England? No, they're not better so, than England. So if we were able to hold England to zero goals, then yes. we should be able to do the same thing to the Netherlands and potentially knock put a out, goal. Knockout round's a little different. Well, Game well, changes what, a little bit because well, because if you're because if you're, so different. you're England you had you right out of the gate had an easy win against Iran okay. you, you had three points and you and you were sitting pretty England and Wales had tied they were both sitting at one so you didn't have to really break down the doors against the United States and beat them one zero okay. to really to really feel confident where you were if you're England now it's round of sixteen now it's knockout stages now it's you know full bore you know you know pedal to the metal down down on the gas the entire time draws don't get you anything but you know fifty then 50 more minutes, you got to run. So, you know, <laughs> it, so it, it, the style does change a little bit when playing for a draw see, or... Play, use 20, 25 more minutes? Yeah. Because they have extra time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You never know. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going off what's legitimately there. Uh, but I like how you pointed out the, the United States defense... And I think we need to throw it out here. St. Louis native Tim Ream has been on that back line, and they have held three very good offenses for the most part to... And allowed one goal. So I mean, and allowed one goal so far. That's extremely impressive. What Tim Ream and the back line of the United States have been doing. They're going to have to do it again. My big question here is, you 
are going to lose the possession game to the Netherlands. That's the style they've been playing since like the 1950s. You're going to lose the possession game to the total football Netherlands style. And so I'm just worried about what eventually happens when they get worn down across 90 minutes. Because, yeah, they have the athletes to play with these guys. They're not that much more talented overall. But... This is just a, this is a team that has a system that has been put into that has been put into place for 20 30 years across coaches across across different eras across generations that's a hard thing to beat when you come up against it I, I think uh, watching them play defensively, Cameron Carter Vickers looks like he could play uh, running back God, or he's linebacker. A he's he's a, a linebacker. He's a big guy. <laughs> right? he, he looks like he, he stopped, um, and and the Iranian player ran into his 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 butt, his thigh ran. I, I was like, oh, get up! And I looked at, it, I was like, oh no, he he that definitely hurt. Like <laughs> he stopped on him, and it definitely looked like it hurt. Um, but defensively, like I said, they they seem to be playing very well. I don't know how the game you said is going to change because teams are going to be more aggressive. Yeah. The Netherlands will be a little bit more aggressive, so um, obviously they're going to have to keep it out of their off of their end and 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 be. But what I what I saw from the game yesterday is when match. My pardon, pardon my pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> from the match yesterday is when America did when USA did try to be more aggressive. It left them open on the back end for some opportunities for Iran to 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 potentially score. So is it is it going to be that? You're gonna to have to take your chances as they come, or or will you see? Do you do you see Team USA being aggressive in spots and trying to trying to get some goals? They're gonna they're gonna hunt for. I think they're gonna be a little bit more kind of the counter attacking style we saw. I guess maybe late against Wales, it didn't really work that well because I just I don't think with, with Frankie Frankie Young's one of the best midfielders in the entire world. This is a guy who's got bought by Barcelona for like a hundred million in, in the club game. His ability alongside their wingers, Davy Klaassen, uh, Gakpo, who's got three goals, their ability to control possession, again, is just going to dominate the United States. This is going to be sit back, try not to be down by by more than a goal at halftime, and then the second half, wait for a mistake, counterattack, get the quick goal. That's really the way I think they have to win against specifically the Netherlands. They can play a standard game against a lot of other teams. Specifically the Netherlands with their ability to possess the ball, I just think they're going to have to play a little bit more counterattacking. Who's better th- between the Netherlands and England? I think England is more talented. Okay, so what the what the USA needs to do is tally first. Yes. And then just keep the puck. It's almost like Craig Bruby wants the Blues to do. <laughs> All right, keep the ball deep in the zone because you aren't going to score from your defensive end. And it's, it's going to be a ball possession game. And like mm-hmm. you say, Netherlands wants to play that style too. But the USA is better because it's the USA. You're just going to have to jump on a mistake early. And if you can get a goal early, I, I'll be a lot more confident because then you can sit back. And I think, again, this back line can hold off a very talented attack. But just because it's the Netherlands and they're very tiny on the map doesn't mean this is going to be a cakewalk, ladies and gentlemen. I saw, I saw uh, Charles Barkley said, I want Brazil, I want France, I want Spain. You gotta get through the Netherlands first. What's your level of confidence? I'm at a. I'm. I'm. I'm at a. Uh, I'd be favoring the Netherlands right now slightly. Okay, oh, come I'd, on. I would. I would put. I would put. I would put the United States at about a plus one twenty five on the on the money line. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. USA is going to win this game. I love this country. America. Match. Match on the pitch. On the pitch. Yeah. In the kits. Yeah. I'd go. I go USA plus twenty one twenty five yeah. right now. They're going to smoke the Netherlands one nil. I just need the Netherlands to pick a name. <laughs> gonna I, smoke just, them. I just need them to pick a name. Are you the Netherlands? Are you Holland? Are you the Dutch? What is it? Just pick one name and roll with it. I can't. I can't. I can't roll with all. Of them. Cool I can't do it. Too. It's all and their and their jersey is entirely orange. And when you, I, I, I don't. I'm not I like that. To I like that. I know you too. wouldn't be. I'm not. Uh, wait, by the way, looking at the table, Gaudy. 
Netherlands, as we mentioned earlier, they did tally five goals, <laughs> and uh, they were had two victories, a draw, and a loss. But they only had Senegal, Ecuador, Ecuador, and Qatar. I mean, it wasn't that was not the group of death that they were playing in. Probably the easiest group. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, when you have when you have Qatar, who's eliminated that quickly, just didn't clearly isn't at the the level of those other teams. That was the easiest group to get through. So maybe that helps the fact that the United States had to grind through a little bit harder group. Maybe the, the Netherlands taking a couple days off. It's it's going to be tricky though. And we'll hopefully get some news about Christian. Maybe today he'd be he would certainly help that counterattack. Yeah, it was an ab injury. That's what they say. Lower <laughs> lower ab. Little, lower, yeah, lower, 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 lower ab. Yeah. I mean, listen. I, I, I've I've had those injuries. I've mm-hmm. I've ran into people, and you know, you you, oh. you it hurts. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you you're able to play the next week. You, you didn't wear any uh, extra no, protection. No, 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 no. You know how hard it is to run with that on. You can't remove with no. that no. at all. The fact that how hard it is is the entire reason I would wear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Matthew. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, former Luther North and DeSmet head coach. Uh, <laughs> you guys. Uh, Carl Reed, who now works for 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is a super busy time of year on the high school and college football front with recruiting going on, the transfer portal, and uh, all of those things. And you can read a lot about what is going on and get insight from Carl Reed, who's working now with CBS Sports and with 21 Sports, childhood friend of Kerry Davis, former coach at Luther North and at DeSmet. And he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Carl, great to have you with us. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. I, I think on the list of things that you've done in your life, Carl, I, I would say being a friend of mine would have to be number one, right? Number two? Well, I'm going to tell you what, on the list of things you've done today, you were two minutes late when you called me. <laughs> and so I, I think I think that you owe me a trip to the road when you get back to Central. I need a rock from the road. <laughs> if you play the Central, you know about going to the road to pick up a rock. <laughs> we all have done it time or two. Hey, hey Reed, I was, uh, we were talking the other day about the, the transfer portal, and I heard you speak about it. Um, what are your thoughts on it and, and how it may impact some of these bowls games coming up well from a bowl game perspective i think it's going to be some teams that aren't going to have enough kids to participate especially when you talk about position groups like the offensive line and the defensive line it's going to be some guys that weigh down so from the bowl game i do think some of the mid-tier to lower tier bowls could be in jeopardy not to play off for the new year's sixes because you you already have bowl opt-outs from the guys that are going to the league. Those guys were already opting out. When you add the bowl opt-outs to the transfer portal, some of those bowl games are going to be in jeopardy, and they're going to have to figure out from a business standpoint what they're going to do moving forward. Carl, what would you suggest moving forward? There's got to be, you would think there's a way to solve this problem. Is there a way to solve it? Well, from no, I don't think that there is. I, I think that you're going to have to have less bowls. You know, I, I think that some of the top-tier bowls are going to stay. You might can have maybe a playoff for the group of five teams, the second, the, you know, the guys on that second wave. But the old bowl system, as we know it, is over. It's one of the unintended consequences of the transfer portal. The transfer portal has had consequences deeper than just what it was originally intended to do. 
Hey, Reed, when you're looking at uh, Jackson State and, and what's going on with Dion, what do you think is the best move for him? And, and do you think he potentially does stay at Jackson State despite all of the uh, the offers that are being presented to him? Well, I think that, that him staying at Jackson State is possible. But when you look at it, it, it all comes down to what does he really want to do. Him and I have talked several times, but he's kept it pretty close to the vest on what his – next move is going to be, or if he's going to stay, he signed some great recruits. He has a great recruiting class, and he's got Jackson State trending in a big-time direction to the point where they're playing really, really high-level football. It's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the week brings for prior time. Do you think there's a possibility that, that Jackson State could make the transition from FCS to FBS if he continues to trend in that direction? I think that those conversations have been had and they have been ongoing. And if you see him stay, I would believe that that's that's their intention to start moving in that direction. But you have to be careful as a school also when you think about stuff like this because he's probably the only coach that can keep him at that level. So if you're in Jackson State, you're in a very precarious situation. If you make that move to keep him, and then if he ever does leave down the road, are you still in a position to continue to play at that level? Carl Reed is with us on 101 ESPN. And, Carl, you have your, your finger to, to the pulse of the, the quality of players that are out there. And Kerry told me yesterday there's going to be 2,000 players in the transfer portal. Can you venture a guess as to what percentage of those players are good enough to really help a team win? And how many of them are just not getting an opportunity because they aren't good enough? Probably 15 to 20 percent could really make an impact on your team. Uh, the rest are just taking up space, or they're disgruntled. And the, one of the hard, one of the hard parts for people to accept as a football player, athlete, almost in any realm of life, is if, if you're just not good enough to be what it is you wanted to be in terms of a football player. And you gotta. And I, I tell this to kids all the time. I told this to two kids yesterday um, from different schools. There has to be value in getting the free education that you originally signed up for. Parents have been telling me since the beginning of the time, education is important. It's important when you're choosing a high school. It's important when you're choosing a college. But the minute that kid sits on the bench for one series, education's out the window, right? It's all about football. It's all about playing time. And guess what? That is what it was always about from the beginning. Education, a very low priority to most players and most parents in the big scheme of things. Hey, when you look at uh, what Mizzou is dealing with, they've lost some, some, some guys that have entered the transfer portal. I think Texas has lost a bunch of guys. Can a team like Mizzou rebound, or, or is it going to be a struggle for them to, 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 if those guys do decide to go on to different places, will it be a struggle for them to move in the right direction to find some guys that can help them? I don't think it'll be a struggle at all. I think they're in a good position. And every school is going to have 15 to 20 guys going to Portland. So everybody's going to have to deal with that. And it's like you have to look at the game both ways. The transfer portal can give it to you and it can also take it away. NIL gives to you and it also take it away. So they lost a couple kids in the portal, but they also were impacted this year by some great transfers, guys like Tyron Hopper that came in from Florida. D.J. Coleman came in from Jackson State. They had a starting offensive lineman from Montana. You had Cody Schrader transfer from Truman State. Nathaniel P. came in from Stanford. So they lost some, 
but some of their major impact players this year were also transfer portal guys. Hey, can you talk to us about how this transfer portal in, impacts the uh, the high school game? Because, you know, with, with high school players not being able to be recruited as well or as much as they normally would, most of these college teams seem to just want to look in the transfer portal to find guys that are, are already established as college football players. How does that how does that impact the uh, the high school kids? It only affects the borderline kids. It doesn't affect the top two to three hundred players in the country. It only affects the kids who might have been given a shot back when we were playing that may not get now. What I do think it does, I think it sends every kid to where they should be playing at from the very beginning instead of them going to an SEC or a Big Ten school and finding out they aren't good enough and having to transfer down. Because I will say this, if you are a high school football player and you're really good and you have to go Division Two, and instead of talking about, oh, my God, I would have went D1 if I was in the transfer portal, you can go do what Cody Schrader did and lead Division Two in rushing, and now he's on full scholarship and started in the SEC all year. You can do what Jared Verse did, who went to Albany and led his conference in sacks and got to go on the portal, and now he's at Florida State. He'll be a first-round draft pick this year out of Florida State. A.J. Cornelius, a starting tackle at Rhode Island, Little Rhode Island, win the transfer portal yesterday at 10 o'clock, and I talked to him right before I jumped on this show. He has received his 13th offer in 24 hours. He's got Missouri, Nebraska, all the big-time schools are coming after him now. So if you're a player, then – Stop the crime, put your helmet and shoulder pads on, and go show people you can play great football. If you can't go to a Division two school to start, then maybe you were slept on after all. A couple more things uh, with Carl Reed. And, Carl, you tweeted right after David Shaw announced his resignation from Stanford how difficult that job is. Now, we all watched Stanford play in Rose Bowls in 2013, 2014, 2016. And David Shaw was considered one of the best coaches in America. I still consider him a great coach. But what's happened at Stanford that makes that job so tough? He's still one of the best coaches in America. But Stanford is no longer one of the best jobs in America due to the current landscape of college football. Players are making decisions now on playing time, on NIL money. It is already very, very tough to get into Stanford academically. When they start recruiting those guys young, there are guys who have to be willing to take AP courses and set themselves up. It is almost impossible to get into Stanford as a transfer. You were talking about Stanford and and not being what he used to be. What are your thoughts about Nebraska and what they used to be and what they can be with Matt Rule now? I think Matt Rule is a great coach. I think he did a great job when he was the coach at Baylor. But I'm going to be interested to see because the way he built the Baylor program, I don't think that that formula can work in today's society. He built it on evaluation. He built it on metrics, on player development. And guys are just not sticking around anymore for that type of program. You have to re-recruit your second-string guys every day. I don't know if that'll work. And so time will tell. Hey, Carl, we got to ask you, because you're with us, to give us a something we don't know about Kerry Davis. You've, <laughs> you've known Kerry Davis your entire life. So tell us something we don't know about C.D. Kerry Davis thinks that he could have been a Grammy winning artist as a singer. He thinks that he can sing. He thinks he has musical talent. You guys should put on a beat one day on the show 
and allow him to serenade you, he thinks that he would have been a platinum artist. I don't agree with that, but he really does. He really does believe that he has that type of singing ability. Had, had I have spent more time honing that craft <laughs> instead of moving furniture with you and your father, I may have been able to attain that goal that you speak of. Mr. Reed is my guy. His dad is my guy. He would cuss us out if we did not do things properly. So I spent a lot of time getting fussed at by, by Mr. Reed uh, and because of Carl Reed's mishaps. So had I spent more time honing my craft... I would have been the things you speak of, Carl. Well, you know what? You know this because you're a coach also. Every once in a while as a coach, I've had to give a kid a reality conversation. I've had to tell them, listen, you're not quite good enough to play in the SEC or the Big Ten. This is my reality conversation on after you. You're not, you're not signing with Motown, baby. You picked the, you picked the right thing. You, you picked up the right thing. You picked up the football instead of the microphone, and I know that your family and your kids are happy that you made that <laughs> Curry, this has been great. We have to do this again more often. Thanks for the time. We do appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Carl Reed with us on 101 ESPN. Is this true? I did a little singing back Will, will you sing for us sometime? Uh, maybe one day. I mean, do, do, do I just need to put into the, vi- he, he to put in the system the video of Carrie Davis singing karaoke well, with uh, the sales staff of, of Hubbard Radio time. and 101 ESPN a few weeks ago? End of the road was my was my go-to choice. Okay. Love it. That's your go-to choice, huh? <laughs> that was what I went to that night. All right. <laughs> More of an usher guy. If I, I if I if I had to, you're more of an usher guy. Yeah. If I grab your phone right now, how many boys to men songs are on there? Not many. Well, but few, but few. <laughs> Coming up next, baseball's winter meetings are next week. What are our best and worst case scenarios for the Cardinals coming out of the meetings next week? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The baseball winter meetings start next week in San Diego, and there will be a lot of activity. And Carrie and I have decided to put together our ideal scenarios for the winter meetings coming out of the winter meetings. Now, are the, is the Cardinal roster going to be complete at the end of the winter meetings? Absolutely not. But... As we sit here next Friday, what are the best and worst case scenarios for the Cardinals? Kerry, I'll start with worst case scenario for the Cardinals. And as far as I'm concerned, the worst case scenario for the Cardinals would be trading Dylan Carlson. This is a guy that has a tremendous amount of talent. People around baseball love that talent. He was hurt last year. But this is a guy that still has a chance to be an 820, 830 OPS center fielder who last year played gold glove defense when Harrison Bader was out. So I have two things. Number one, I, I'm not sure that Lars Newtbar or Tyler O'Neill can be an everyday center fielder. I feel good about Dylan Carlson being able to be that guy. And when you have a switch hitter that has an opportunity to be an 820, 830 OPS guy, that's the center fielder that so many teams, half of Major League Baseball is looking for. To me, the worst case scenario would be if the Cardinals would, to get their catcher, whether it be... The, the Oakland catcher Murphy or one of the Toronto catchers or somebody else, if they would if, trade Dylan Carlson, that would be, to me, the worst thing that could happen to this franchise next week. Well, uh, you know, I, it depends on what you get back. And, and my question is, what would you need back? If you were to trade him for, say, a Sean Murphy and, mm-hmm. and you were to be able to trade him outright, that, would you feel comfortable knowing that you solidified that position? Because I believe that Jordan Walker, Jordan Walker will be here 
in, in the beginning of the season. So now you have um, Newt, you have Tyler O'Neill, mm-hmm. and you have Jordan, Jordan Walker in your outfit. You got to figure out who's playing where. But are you are you still not fit? I think I, I think you're higher on Dylan Carlson than I am. I think you have been. I, I haven't. I don't feel like I've seen enough mm-hmm. from him to, to to say that I think he's going to be a, a star or a stud or or a mainstay in this lineup. If you were to trade him away, I wouldn't feel as bad as if you were trading away, I guess, someone else. For a team that is searching for swing and miss pitchers, they have a lot of contact pitchers. For a team that's built on defense, and that's one of the reasons that we talk about shortstop, for for a team that's built on guys hitting the ball in this ballpark, you need to have a guy that can cover a ton of ground in center field that's going to be available to you. And I'm not convinced, A, that Tyler O'Neill is going to be available to you all the time. And I'm still... I, I want to see a full year out of Lars Newtbar before I believe that he's an everyday player. Is there a pitcher on your on this staff that you feel is pretty much untouchable in terms of being traded or or moved to a different place? Would well, you would you would Wayno, you be obviously Wayno, because Wayno, he's Wayno, been here. he's not he's, yeah. yeah. But would you would you be disappointed if Miles Michaelis was a part of a trade? I would not. Okay. But I have to get another pitcher. I if Miles Michaelis is part of a trade. I need to get a pitcher that's better than him, that I perceive as being better than him, to replace him. I don't think the Cardinals can go backwards in their starting rotation. It's got to be Wainwright, Flaherty, if you don't have Miles, somebody better than him, and then Mats and Montgomery. For me, my worst-case scenario would be nothing. Like, not doing anything of value Mm -hmm. where you—we have such high hopes— for, for what this offseason could be and should be because we've been told that money will be spent. We've heard Mo talk about there's really not a, a, a need or I guess a, a necessity to go after a shortstop. So you can scratch that off of the table. So the Trey Turners, Xander Bogarts, you can Carlos Correa, scratch that off. You don't we you don't believe it's gonna happen. I don't believe it's gonna happen because I feel I think they feel comfortable with what they have. If they don't go out and get a, a, a name catcher, and for me it's Wilson Contreras, I, mm-hmm. that, that, it's that or bust. And I know, oh, he, he he's a DH. He's not a catcher. He doesn't handle the pitching staff well. You know what he does do well? He hits the ball well. And and for me, when you have a lineup that has Goldie Arenado, potentially Jordan Walker, hopefully a healthy Tyler O'Neill, and a Wilson Contreras in that lineup, I am more excited about that than 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 not. So, for me, it would be the worst case scenario would be not doing anything of value where you can say, where we have to look up and say, what did this guy do last year? Mm-hmm. That would be the worst case scenario for me where they're not getting a named guy that you know can come into this lineup. We need offense. We need we ha- I think we have the pitching. We need some offense. We need some guys that can hit the ball and move runners from base to base and hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, and for me, so getting a named guy, a guy that I know can do that would be – uh, not getting that would be the worst case scenario for me. Okay, I have a best case scenario, and I'm going to address that offensive issue. Number one, I don't see the Cardinals matching up well with Toronto. Toronto wants an impact left-handed hitter to get one of their catchers. So my ideal scenario would be to trade prospects. And oh, by the way, I do consider Nolan Gorman a prospect for Sean Murphy. And I'm not going to go overboard, but if if I could do a Gorman, Libertor, and then another mid-level prospect for a guy like Sean Murphy, I I would love to do a deal like that. So if I can get my catcher, if if I can sign Cody Bellinger and Scott Boris, one thing he understands is, is that the Cardinals are really good at enhancing the value of players who 
have seen their value diminish because he grew up in this organization. He played in this organization. He knows what they've done for people like Beltran and Berkman in the past in, in helping them revive their careers. So if they could trade for Sean Murphy and sign Cody Bellinger and then use that money of which you speak, that increased payroll, to get that front of the rotation starter, that would be the best case scenario. Whether that front of the rotation starter... I don't think the Cardinals will swim in the Jacob deGrom waters, but it seems like Carlos Rodon would be out there for a reasonable, and he he just opted out of a two-year $44 million contract. Mm -hmm. So reasonable, you're probably looking at 52 over two or 75 over three for Carlos Rodon. But that would be, to me, the the best case scenario is to get a front of the rotation guy I'll throw Verlander in there, too. Get one of those three front-of-the-rotation guys, get Cody Bellinger, and get Sean Murphy. You talk about a, you talked about a left-handed bat, and, and we – Clay's brought this name up yesterday, and we hadn't even thought about it. Alec Burleson as, as part of someone that could be moved if, if, if Toronto was looking for a left-handed bat and mm-hmm. needed. Would you feel like that he would be a, a potential trade piece for a team? Do you think teams value him enough to say we would take a chance on him? I think teams that are after prospects would. Okay. I just Toronto is in win-now mode, mm-hmm. and they're looking at Brandon Nimmo. They're in the hunt for Cody Bellinger. I would think that Toronto would want more oomph than either Newt Barr or uh, Alec Burleson. I, th- I think that they will want more of a sure thing to put in their outfield because they got rid of one of the best offensive players in baseball in Teoscar Hernandez. They're going to want a legitimate middle-of-the-order left-handed hitter to get one of those catchers. If I have that asset, if I'm Toronto, I want a guy with more of a track record than the Cardinals have available at the moment. Cardinals need the Toronto's looking for a left-handed hitter. The Cardinals need a left-handed hitter. So for me, and and so we, we're talking best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And so my my best case scenario is going to get a catcher, Wilson Contreras, and then we 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 know that that there is no need for a shortstop because we think Tommy Edmond and Mason Wynn is on the way. Mm-hmm. Bring Mason Wynn up, move Tommy to short second base. Jordan Walker is in right field, and now you have an opportunity to potentially go get a Cody Bellinger in the outfield to play center field. You can figure out left field after that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Ty- now the best of the best, Alec Burleson, Tyler O'Neill, um, uh, Dylan Carlson, you Walker. all fight it out. Jordan, Wa- I would put Jordan. Jordan is already in right field. Oh, right. We, we've You're already right put him in right, right field. Yeah, okay, got so it. that that's my best case scenario: a catcher in Wilson Contreras, and then since we don't think that we're going to go after a, a shortstop because it mm-hmm. would be Trey Turner, but if not, Cody Bellinger in center in center field. Give me a left fielder. We got three or, th- yep. three or four guys. Newt, you got those guys. They can fight it out for for who starts there. And almost invariably, you're going to have three outfielders that are capable of playing center field. Yeah. If you add Cody Bellinger to this mix, who is a gold glove quality center fielder, you've really got yourself a defensive outfield. And then you got a team that that strikes fear in the opposing pitcher yep. at the plate. Yep. Like when you are when you're in the batter's box, you have a team that there are no easy outs. There are you got Goldie and Arenado there. They have others surrounding them. And and for me, I talked about it yesterday. Um, when you have a team of guys that can play and you got studs on your team, you got to surround them with other guys. You don't know how long that team or those guys are going to be available. How many years they're mm-hmm. going to be healthy? How many years they're going to be playing at their at their highest level? So you want to surround them with other pieces that can play at that high level with them when they're in their prime in the best parts of their career. 
Goldie and Arenado were one in three in, in, in MVP voting. You have to have other people around them for for Bingo. to help them, you know, be the best versions of themselves. They were that without the other pieces. Now you add those pieces, you got a team that potentially wins playoff games and makes it to the to the world championship. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and those are our best and worst case scenarios for the Cardinals coming out of the winter meetings next week. Oh, by the way, one more note about Cody Bellinger and Scott Boris. If I'm Mo, I'm pointing out, and I know Boris knows this already, not only the Cardinals' ability to revive careers, but, and hey, we, in all fairness here, we need to point out that Matt Carpenter revived his career elsewhere, and Paul DeYoung's career has not gone very far. But Turner Ward was Bellinger's hitting coach in his first two years of Major League Baseball. He was Rookie of the Year and one of the best hitters in baseball during that time. So you just have to remind Scott of there that. There you go. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, rock and roll on 101. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? I got to bring this up because we just had the winter meetings conversation. First of all, Jeff Passan just released an article on ESPN Plus that I'm going to I'm going to read and maybe try to get Jeff Passan on talking about how there's a lot of executives and agents who are saying, "Listen, if you hated the winter meetings over the past few years when they weren't in person, the complete lack of moves to start the season, don't worry. An in-person winter meetings is apparently going to get the baseball offseason started off right." So hopefully, Jeff Passan's right and that does happen. One move we could see right out the gate is a big shortstop. It won't be for the Cardinals. Buster only tweeting a little bit earlier today. The Phillies will wind up one of the elite, with one of the elite shortstops. That's going to happen. That was him quoting a longtime agent. And then it was followed up by here, our good friend of the show, Jesse Rogers on ESPN. A non-Philly executive nearly said the same thing to me, quote-unquote. Dave Dombrowski isn't going to sit on his hands. His owner seems to be on the same page. I almost wonder how the Phillies don't get one of them. How about that comment coming out of Philadelphia when he we just talked about here in St. Louis, the absolute just guarantee coming from reporters saying they're spending big mm-hmm. after winning a World Series. After going to a World Series. Sorry, after going yeah. to a World Series, excuse me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's their MO, and that's part of being a top five market that already has their p- big TV deal, and the owner doesn't care about losing money. And at some point, the expenses will exceed the revenues he might start to care then but at this point he doesn't (laughs) most franchises nba nba nfl major league baseball they're not they don't make money generally speaking like they unless they're unless they are a terrible team they're not making a, a a lot of money because they're spending a lot of money on on player salaries and contracts i think if you're the philadelphia phillies yeah go after it mm-hmm. go after or i just talked about it with 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 arenado and goldie you got bryce harper you got kyle schwarber you got guys there that are very good baseball players and if you add to that a team that could use a shortstop in this moment they are going to be even better than they were last year they struggled obviously in the beginning of the part of the season and, and fired their manager and were able to go on a hell of a run the second half of the season if you can add to what they did last season and and they need it mm-hmm. in that NL East because that is a that is a top of the food chain yeah. <laughs> type of division. Um, go for it. Well, why not? You yeah. should. Yeah. If if you have that type of desire, 
And that owner has no qualms about getting to the luxury tax and, and spending a bunch of money, then that's really cool. That's awesome for Phillies, Phillies it's, fans. It's great for the fans. I yeah. mean, to, to know that your owner and your, your GM are looking to spend money on a, a premium player at, at the shortstop position, knowing that it's going to help a franchise that just made it to the World Series with an opportunity to try to go back the following season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they would. They would. That would make a lot of sense. Shout out CBC grad Matt Veerling. He's going to have a pretty good player to be uh, sharing the sharing the lineup with this year with the Phillies. You guys might not realize it, but today is actually a crucial moment for the 2024 college football playoff actually being expanded the way they're planning right now. There has been an ultimatum given to the Rose Bowl that they have to decide by today whether or not they are okay with the potential contractual changes that would lead to the expansion of the playoffs and including all of the current New Year's Day Bowls. If you're not aware, just a quick update. The Rose Bowl is very picky about the time slot that they have for their game. It's 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 perfect. It's it's untouched. It's 2 p.m. Pacific on January 1st. They've had it for years. It's part of their contract, but they would have to potentially make some changes to that time slot to fit into the nope. quarterfinal or semifinal change. Are you nope. uh, do you understand or are you okay with the Rose Bowl sticking their foot in the ground and potentially costing us an, a whole year of the college football expansion expanded playoffs because mm. of this traditional stubbornness? Yes. <laughs> some of the best and I know this is a few and far between situation, but let me work with me here. Some of the best sales on televisions are on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. There is no better scene with which to compare televisions than the Rose Bowl game. At that time of day, <laughs> if you're buying a TV, mm-hmm. if you go, and I've done this twice, okay. by the way, you go on New Year's Day and you look at all the TVs with the Rose Bowl on, yeah. if you're a sports fan, there's no better scene in the world, I don't care what you're talking about, than the Rose Bowl and that scene. It is beautiful. And 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 Keith Jackson used to bring it in and it would mm-hmm. sound, you just the whole familiarity with the Rose Bowl and and that feeling of of what that meant. I, I mean, if you're if you're the Rose Bowl and you are a longstanding tradition, you've been doing this for decades. I kind of understand how they are and where they are as far as not wanting to change. Uh, It's not going to impact them. It's going to impact football in general. But if you're the Rose Bowl, I I think you're confident and comfortable with what you have. I mean, they they made a change years ago when they got into the – to, to, they used to just be Big Ten and and and, uh, Pac-12. They made it a special – They made a change to allow themselves – it, it, it benefited they still, them. They, they still try to make it happen uh, as much it, as they yes, can. Yes, as much as possible. I, I do agree. But I, if I'm the Rose Bowl, I do agree. I think you – that I, I'm, I, I like tradition. I like things. And, and me being a Big Ten guy, I understand what the Rose Bowl means to that conference and to, to the Pac-12. So, yeah, I – See, I, I like the tradition of it. For me, my college football fandom is entirely rooted either in the Big 12 or the SEC. So that I, and, and more than that, I grew up hating three college football teams more than almost anything else. Michigan, Ohio State, and USC. Mm-hmm. So my reverence for the Rose Bowl is nowhere near where, where an Illinois mm-hmm. guy like you, who, who you, that was, you know, that was the pinnacle. That's all you wanted every year. And Randy, who's, who, who loves tradition. I want an expanded playoffs so bad. I don't care about the traditions here with the Rose Bowl. I want expanded playoffs and having to go on a whole another year without an expanded playoffs and having to do this these arguments again about the fifth and the sixth team and who should be seventh and eighth and should this one loss conference champion get in over this undefeated you know lower conference champion and so on and so forth. I want to 
break down some of those arguments as soon as possible. I get why it's special, but I mean, is it really going to be that big of a deal if they're playing at 4 p.m. Pacific instead of 2 p.m. Pacific? I know Randy's television shopping is going to be a little bit, it's going to have to be kicked down the road a little bit, Randy, but it's, it's still going to be there. I don't know. I hope I hope they get this figured out. I hope we get an expanded college football playoffs as soon as possible. And again, I understand the tradition, but come on. Everybody wants expanded college football playoffs except for Dan Deardorff, I think. I really believe that's better for college football. It's better for the discussion. It's better for the, the sport we get to watch on football. And as long as you adopt Randy Carricker's expanded playoff schedule, I'm completely fine with it for the players as well. No problem. Yeah. All right. I, I, for me, I, I think my frustration still lies in the fact that we won the Big Ten. Oh, here we go. And didn't get to go to the Rose Bowl. We that went stinks. to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was frustrating for me. By Mizzou, the way, Mizzou beat Kansas, and Kansas got to go to a BCS bowl game. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that's not a rivalry, so you know that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. A uh, point of but parliamentary procedure here. <laughs> Carries a jerk. When, when do TVs become too big? We've got 85 inch hey. TVs out there. I've got a 70 at home, and I'm very happy with it. I've got a room where I would fit an 85, but how much further can they go? I, I think your TV size should match your home. So if you have a a, a one-bedroom apartment and you have an 80-inch TV, eh, probably too big. Probably yeah. a bit excessive. Yeah. Okay. There's no such thing. No, I mean, how big is the wall that you have in your home? It, if you're, There's no such thing as too big of a television, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it is. No, no. If you are, as long as it doesn't hurt your eyes from a legitimate like couch position, a few feet of like seven to ten feet away, you're fine. If it's that big, then you have a problem. I think no. I I honestly do believe a television can be too big for a room. If you have to turn your head. <laughs> yeah. I give a shout out if, if to, to get the full left and the full right of the screen. You got to turn your head. That's too big. I give a shout yeah. out to the texter from the five seven three that texts us every day, calling the Big Ten uh, the Rust Belt Conference. <laughs> See, shout yeah, out I, to you, sir or ma'am. You spend you spend a lot of time. I like, I like to let just let him sit there screaming to the. I void. love it. Uh, you, every 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 pretty much every day. Let's the Rust what, Belt Conference. This is actually being blown don't, out. Don't they need to add pit? You're gonna have a Rust Belt conference, don't you? Need to have Pitt in well, that conference. I'm gonna assume that this person is from the five seven three. That, that that's Columbia area, and you, mm-hmm. sir or ma'am, have a lot of nerve calling it the Rust Belt conference. Uh, that's SEC country. I'm I'm a, what you're talking no, about. it is not. Do not do that. Just because like, you're an SEC well, team, Mizzou plays in the SEC. No, so it's not an SEC. No, 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 no. Carry, carry. No, carry. Did you see who we elected? <laughs> We're in the SEC. <laughs> All right. You may have a point there. All right. Okay. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Randy, really quickly, we, do, you, do, you, do you have your expanded college football playoff schedule off the top of your head? So, yeah, the way it works is you go between Labor Day and uh, the end of November. You cut back to an 11-game schedule. Maintain in that 12th week your conference championships. First week of December. Let me get to... Uh, so this weekend would be the first week of the college football playoff. This weekend coming up, okay? So on December 3rd, you would go from 16 to 8 teams. On December 10th, you'd go from 8 to 4. And on December 17th, you'd go from 4 to 2. And then you have New Year's weekend or any time after New Year's weekend so that you can play the championship game then. You, that gives the teams basically three full weeks of practice and any other team that loses still has time to practice and recover and play in a new year's week between christmas and new year's bowl game if they still exist 
I love that, and by 2024, I think I might be able to get like a 112-inch TV to watch it. Oh, yeah. You will. You will enjoy be that. No problem. You're going to be seeing double by the time you get yeah. done. I've been doing like my dad's stand, just still standing in front of it with my drink. I could sit down. It's way too big, but no, I'm just going to be standing in front of it the entire time. <laughs> uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with uh, What's on Tap, T-Mac and Ajax coming up with one of their fabulous balloon parties later on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, starting tomorrow, you can join in the holiday spirit here at 101 ESPN by supporting this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign hosted by The Fast Lane and 101 ESPN. Donate at least $25 online between December 1st and December 12th to support the Little Bit Foundation. And you'll get your choice of either a Jamie Rivers or a Brad Thompson 101 jersey as a gift for your donation. Make your donation starting tomorrow, December 1st, during The Fast Lane's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign at 101ESPN.com, 101's ESPN's 12 Days of T-Shirts is powered by McBride Homes. As we head down the stretch here, the Billikens play tonight. They're playing, uh, is it Tennessee State? Yes. We've got it, and, and it's a late start, 8 o'clock start for St. Louis University as they get things going after their loss at Auburn last weekend. And you got to get a W. Randy, do you have a computer in front of you? I just want I you to Google TSU Tigers. Did you ask him, does he have a computer in I'm just making sure. I'm, I'm, it's, <laughs> listen, okay? Just Google TSU Tigers and tell me if the logo looks a little similar. It looks a little familiar TSU to you. TSU Tigers. Let's see. <laughs> it's just, I saw this yesterday, and I was like, well, that looks a little familiar. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> just everyone out there, Google TSU Tigers, and just let me know if it looks a little familiar to you. Hmm. Well, I'll just put it this way. You could have done the T, you could have done the T any yeah. other way than that. Is what I'll say about the TSU logo. Usually you see that with high schools around, you know, mid-Missouri and stuff like that. I did not expect to see another D1 program just like, you know what? I'm just going to take that. Yeah. <laughs> little little fun background for TSU Tigers before you guys go see the game tonight. The, the, the Blue Tigers. Yes. So don't, don't forget, 8 o'clock start. And uh, that one's over at Chaffetz Arena. And tickets available at slewbillikens.com. And by the way, congratulations to... Mizzou, last night, they were an overtime winner over Wichita State. And what happened with the Fighting Illini? Uh, they absolutely Blowout. destroyed Jim Beheim. I mean, do. The, the man, I it's it's one of those Urban Meyer, like Jim Beheim might be like, I have the flu, I need to sit down for a couple days after one of those games. Got me excited for bragging rights, to tell you that much. I am I am extremely excited about that. It's going to be. be I think it's going to be a real good game. Mizzou almost year. let the almost let it slip away against Wichita State, but the fact they were to claw back in an away game, first away game of the year, and and and. Not let it slip away from you gives me a lot of confidence. I'm confident too. Okay, I want to get one other thing taken care of here today because there's a lot of watch parties for soccer. And I know, Matthew, you've been to some of the watch parties, especially now we get into the knockout stage and we play the Netherlands on Saturday. Is it better to watch at home or is it better to be standing and watching at a watch party? What do you think? So, are there people at the home? Or are you watching by yourself? Yeah, your family's around, maybe. Because I, I, Randy, I have a, I became became a rule that I didn't like Super Bowl parties. Yeah, I'm I in there. Hated them. Like I like to watch it in silence. But why? Because people ask me all the questions. Me too. Yep, same thing. <laughs> exact same thing. Yep. Yep. What was he thinking here? I, I actually don't yep. know what he was thinking there. I'm, I'm not him. Yep. <laughs> and, and and of course, my least favorite part about Super Bowl party, I hate going this is. 
everyone talks during the game. Yes. But the minute you want to talk to somebody during a commercial, they want to watch the commercial. Then you get yeah. shushed, and you're like, "I'm sorry, did you shush me during a commercial? <laughs> when I got shushed during the game, what is happening right now?" I would, I would, I think I could watch a. Uh, uh, a so- do a soccer watch party I, I, because I'm not a soccer player, so I, I don't think anyone would be asking me what's going on and on the also, pitch. Also, I'm going to react to a soccer goal just very differently than a, just a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I don't have that kind of emotion with a football team anymore, and so like I'm not going to jump up and down and throw my beer if there's any t- like any team could score a touchdown in the Super Bowl this year, and no no touchdown exists right now that could get me to jump up and down and throw my beer. United States scores a goal against Netherlands, and I'm at a watch party. I'm jumping up and down and throwing my beer. Don't throw your beer. Well, I, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> don't throw your beer. That's fair. Okay. A great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD, this this was fun. This is like, well, I don't want to, I don't know if bosses are listening. It's kind of like it's not, we're not even working. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> we, won't. we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.